Today, we're back in the Austin studio and I got to sit down with AI expert, Russ Boydnick. We dove into how Russ sees AI, machine learning, and artificial general intelligence. We also talk about some of the ethics and dangers of AI that passes the Turing test even if it isn't actually intelligent. He made some predictions around the future of self-driving cars, the future of work, and we tackle some challenges with AI-driven warfare. I also issue a deepfake challenge with a $1,000 prize. Deepfake arsenic and win money and internet infamy. AI is always a bit of a challenging topic because it dovetails into philosophy, religion, ethics, and science in a way that almost nothing else can. So without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Russ Boydnick. Hello and welcome to the Arsenic Show. Today I have with me Ross Boydnick. How are you, sir? Good. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> you, uh, you made the long drive down from Dallas today, I hear? I did. Yeah. I did. How was that? It, it's actually not that bad. Yeah. The drive between here and Dallas is uh, a lot closer than the distance to overseas. You uh, you have a kind of an interesting lifestyle. You live out of a RV, is that? Or a Part bus? of the year, I a do. I, I do. So uh, I have a couple different places, but you know, as a scientist or, or a lazy computer science consultant, <laughs> Uh, part of our job is to try to understand the complexity of the world around us and maybe predict things sometimes. It's valuable. Seems Assess useful. some risk. Never in my life thought I would be uh, an RV person. Love it. Mm. What do it, you love about it? I think it's sort of my own um, conscious, subconscious version of Starship Enterprise, although it's probably closer to uh, Eagle 5 from Spaceballs. Mm. In reality, mm-hmm. um, our good friend, don't mm. want to jump the gun. Sure. Uh, we could talk about him later. Um, he turned me on to it years ago and actually started looking at him when I was still overseas. I came back, did the 2016 Centennial. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to do it in a, a big RV and uh, just, just fell in love with it. I was like, why do I have all this extra stuff? Mm-hmm. That, and, that is pretty appealing, I'd say. You know, like shed all this stuff and just become a well, bit of a drifter and go wherever you want to go. You know, j- drifting is an interesting, yeah. Sometimes I feel like fancy cousin Eddie. But uh, <laughs> it's also, you know, being a nomad has been in our DNA, right? Neolithic humans, we've always kind of transitioned and followed the game. And with, and, it, and I love travel. You know, it's like for me, travel and reading, pursuing curiosity. It's my life. I'm lucky to have it. But the green footprint and getting stuck in flights and, you know, 9-11 and pandemic really kind of took the romance. I bet. Out of, out of travel yep. and at least air flight. <laughs> so the RV is great. I can... Um, it's like a metaphorical and physical vehicle. Could bring. I heard the campsites were absolutely flooded. Like everyone had the uh, same idea all the same time, and all the RV parks were just 100 percent yeah, capacity. It, it's. Uh, I'm lucky. Uh, I get to go to. I have a place in Colorado. Before that, I grew up visiting my family there, and so I, I go to Estes quite a bit in uh, Rocky Mountain, and it's just long lines. And it, you know, it's a balance, and it's. We have a lot of opinions about government, right? Mm-hmm. But the national parks in the U.S. and around the world, state, federal, local parks. Um, the management and preservation of nature to be shared is an amazing thing, but of course you can't always predict uh, when people are going to get out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's um, I'm so happy that nature is is on the forefront of people's minds. Uh, but yeah, waiting in line for several hours <laughs> unless <laughs> unless it's like midnight in Yellowstone or the buffalo come through. There's mm-hmm. benefits. There's traffic at midnight in Yellowstone. Yeah, I bet. I bet um, <clears throat> it's the buffalo traffic. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> So this is the second episode I'll be doing on AIMNL uh, and ML. I would like to say that this will be my last, and I've I think it's going to be covered, but I know that's not true. It's just a way too deep topic, and I'll just I'll probably just keep coming back here. But you are 
um, the other person other than Charlie Burgoyne, who I'll talk about a little bit in the previous episode, um, we talked to him, uh, that I consider to be my closest friends who do this for a living. Wow. Um, well, thanks, Robert. Yeah. That, can I give a little awkward high five? All right. All right. We'll have, we'll do that. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> that was quite awkward. Uh, <laughs> got to keep it awkward. It's authentic. That's right. So, um, H- hugging over, over, I'm a big hugger. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Well, we already, work. we, we took care of that. We earlier. did. We did. <laughs> so, do me a favor. And I've heard lots of different definitions of AI and ML. I would like to hear your definition of it. And if you want to do AGI as well, I'd, I'd love to hear that as well. Sure. So it's, there are so, it's a l- very subjective and it's, it's growing ever more subjective, which isn't a bad thing. Um, there, there is more discussion about the philosophy of intelligence. Um, some of, we go back to like Noam Chomsky um, and even just Richard Feynman, you know, I, I wish he was around. I, he's an amazing guy. A lot of interesting conversations. And the idea of how we define consciousness and uh, intelligence as something just useful in a short period of time, I mean, it fluctuates all over the place. But I can say that the consensus-ish is whatever it is, we're still pretty far away amongst the actual scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, whether artificial general intelligence um, requires agency, whether it requires consciousness, whether it requires... Um, more interesting emergent properties, we don't know. So the definition nowadays is so, it's so challenging, but I can say that there is still, when it, machine learning is more automated statistics, right? And, and so when you get to AGI, um, it's, some would say that it's even more of an art form in a philosophical discussion. And it also depends where you go to school. Like I went to UT Austin where it was, it was still within the natural sciences. So there's philosophy and linguistics. Whereas uh, if you go to MIT, it used to be more in the computer sciences type or, or engineering. Um, <clears throat> so, so they haven't even standardized even in the own, your own industry. N- not at all. And what's there's, it kind of goes back and forth. So neural networks have been amazing, right? Young Lacoon did really cool stuff with basically artificial vision, the convolutional nets, which are just summaries of summaries of summaries of, of, of vision. And, in 2012, you know, before that people, AI, you know, neural networks, AI, machine learning with anything with doing like a more complex, stochastic, less deterministic thing, uh, was, didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then 2018 was huge for sequential natural language processing. Mm-hmm. So the, the definitions are now more, uh, fluid than ever, in my opinion. And it, but it is, general intelligence people do kind of say it is like uh, forgive me it's like porn you know and you see it mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, it which this is a big part of interestingness and subjectivity which in art you know which i'm a big fan of right like we don't know we really don't know mm-hmm. um and it's such an exciting time to where you can actually talk about it it's a topic of this field and and people actually know what you're talking about sometimes yeah, sometimes, sometimes do, i'm not yeah. sure if anyone understands me i'm, I'm pretty weird but uh <laughs> I try to keep it good weird. I try to keep it good weird, good weird, good weird. But but even just like the uh, there's a talk show. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention other podcasts on here. No, now. of course not. Um, it's called Mach- uh, Machine Learning Street Talk, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like Machine Learning Street Talk, the guys that run it, you know, I, I they just they just did Noam Chomsky, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah, they've done Young Lacoon, Yashua Bengio. Yashua Bengio is one of my favorite people of all time. Ken Stanley, Yashua Bengio. Ken's a good friend of mine. 
Yasha, I, I, I don't know, but um, I can listen to a podcast about with some experts about the the philosophy, the art. You know, it's it's amazing times we live in. Mm-hmm. So they're really pushing the boundaries of defining. But but I will say that cognitive neuroscientists, um, they they're still very uh, much. There's so much we don't know about what this does, right? And then the entire state space of what's out there, uh, it is. It is definitely more than GPT three. GPT three mm-hmm. um, is is not AI at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. So, where do you see the future of AI and, AI and ML going? the The real stuff that we have today that we're building on. Where, where is that? Where do you see the future of it in five, ten years? Like, will it be able to solve basically any human problem outside of you know falling in love? You know, like where where do you see that headed? So it. One of the wonderful things is I think there's a lot of good that it can do. And this is, you know, I don't publish research papers, right? I, I t- I'm a lazy scientist. So I take <laughs> people's uh, ideas, prototypes, concepts, patents, and I try to help them build a prototype to test it out. And they, the amount of time mm-hmm. there's it a, takes. There's a, there's a, in physics, there's, a, there's somebody who uh, is more of a, you know, th- deals with the theory of it, and there's a, the practical person who works at CERN. You're the sort of right. the practical person working well, at CERN and trying to build. A, yes or no? Find I, the big the Higgs boson. So well, you could actually do a bit of both nowadays, right? Easier than ever. Um, and, and of course, I'm, I'm when I say ever, I'm viewing this like two decades in mm-hmm. to where when I first wanted to get to the field, the type of AI that I was interested in, that would be considered AGI ish at the time, neural networks. Uh, artificial imagination, creativity, uh, was non-existent, right? It, it was, it was, wasn't there. So it's, it, there are so many applications, like you just froze the theory and you just applied it. Um, you would have over a hundred, 200 years of better vaccines closer to solving all, all sorts of problems, social and otherwise environmental and otherwise. So, my opinion is that there's a lot of our, our society is very much towards the publisher parish money um, kind of reward versus just taking applications to help people existing things. So where there are, and, and why is that? Is it just because people are, are locked in the ivory tower or what's going that, on? That is a good question. I don't know that I have the answer. Um, and again, you know, I was fortunate. I met Ken Stanley, uh, UT Austin. He was a grad student. I was undergrad mm-hmm. and, uh, he's he's got a lot of wonderful material. I mean, he's just, I, I got to follow him around the world. Even though I skipped my PhD, I got to go meet up at conferences and like, we go have dinner and like, that person's awesome. Oh my God, that person is is uh, interesting. And so I got, so I, I was sort of like behind the scenes, not publishing, but still attending conferences and and hanging out with Ken and just seeing his reaction. You know, he, he did some work at the Complexity Institute in Santa Fe where it's very uh, interdisciplinary. And so they have a lot of different kind of people. So it, he really, uh, you know, it, whenever even he's publishing his paper, sometimes he, he trying to get into um, a conference or, you know, whoever's going to pay him. And there's still all these gatekeepers. Like, we want something innovative, but you have to do the same old thing, right? We want something brand new, um, and yet we want this convergent, this benchmark, right? So we're, we're playing to the benchmarks we're not allowing true innovation from some degree. We're not admiring true creativity. And mm. it's, it's something where um, 
the strong AI, if you ask like a Bengio and a lot of the people that are pushing the field, like Yang Lacoon, Bengio and others, a lot of times they won't even give a prediction, right? And they're all way better in this field than, than I am. And so then you have, of course, Ray Kurzweil, 2029. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? Are we, we going to have a strong AI, AGI in 2029? I think we'll have something that passes the Turing test. Well, I mean, we're getting close to that, right? Depends depends on who it is you want to talk to. If you sure. want to talk to a crazy teenage chatbot, GPT-3 is great. If you want, you know, true expert system advice, maybe not so much. I keep playing with the idea that there, if I just applied one of these chatbots to all of my email that I've ever received, all of my responses, it would be pretty close to how, oh, I, yeah. to how I think and how I'd respond to things. I mean, it wouldn't be perfect. And it wouldn't be able to come up with necessarily net new ideas, but it would certainly be able to respond to the bulk of questions that come my way. Absolutely. So, well, so that's how we define it. Like where, do, where, what do you do during your day involves agency, involves consciousness, involves intelligence. Whoa, I got to dance with the mic. I was getting away from the mic. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I'm back. Um, it's it, whenever we are so much of the daily tasks, the dull, mundane, et cetera, it's getting really good at. Mm-hmm. So if I may step step back for a second and in, in going back to the definition of AGI, there's a per- current popular theme, and I don't disagree with it, um, uh, where Daniel Kahneman is a famous um, psychologist and economist, and he puts forth the idea of type one and type two intelligence and systems. He wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow years ago. Mm-hmm. And a lot, Yashua Benjiu and a lot of the researchers in the field are kind of using this out of the infinite state space of what the heck is intelligence, what are our limits, how we define it, how can we do it artificially, can we talk to the octopus or not? You know, in that state space, it seems to be the current models of, if I may explain this, you know, so much of this stuff, it's hard to have a discussion without also education, which can get really well, boring, right? No, I mean, we'll do your best not to make it boring, but I think a lot of people will need to have a little bit of a primer. So oh, might, yeah. as, might as well. So, and for primers, again, uh, Machine Learning Street Talk is an amazing series, but those guys will go deep too. So there's a lot of things they talk about where uh, it's hard, you know, like what, what are they doing? So what are Markov models? What do you mean by Bayesian? You know, um, so type one intelligence is where AI is right now. And what we, in the way that is defined, and and then the way that a lot of vectorized neural network stuff, you have graphics cards, um, you have vectors of vectors, and 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 even stepping back further, you could do a lot with just graph theory, like like stuff I worked on with Charlie, graph theory. You know, graphs are amazing, right? Or, or practical applications, not theory necessarily. But the idea is, if you do a new application, like you have this graph, in a graph, you can rep- graphs way better. Relational databases are not good at representing relations, right? Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, <laughs> and, a, and a graph is so <laughs> wonderful because it makes sense. You can show it to an executive, you can show it to a child, depending on how old, and and it's basically a giant ass flowchart, huge. Represent all the realities of flowchart as much as you can abstract, and then you have directions, arrows of causality, and then you can have weights, probabilities between two dots. The GPS that got me here today um, was a flow chart, right? A graph model. And so right now, what we, we talk about neural networks and convolutional nets and uh, BERT, GPT-3, et cetera, those are vectorized words, right? It, and of course, combinant is vectorized images. So it's, it, it's vectors on vectors. There's no larger, uh, a vector is just like an array. It's like, a, it's like a list, lists of lists of lists with links to them. And so the idea is, in type 1 intelligence, 
what we do got to play with the mic what we do in, in uh, type one intelligence and there's there's much more into it but essentially the way we can think of it practically like when i drove here um when i left dallas that i drive all the time i'm on autopilot i'm instinctually going i don't have to think half a second of what to do it's a route that i've learned it took me a while to learn how to do it to to understand object permanence, maybe when I was eight months old, like I can't, my hand doesn't float through as a child, to then learn how to drive, et cetera. But once I do it, it's fast. We don't think about it. Right. And current machine learning is like that. It's when we see GPT-3, that's a wonderful chatbot, like, oh my gosh, like it's, like you said, it sounds legit. If Depending on your task, it can take up to 95 plus percent of your tasks. Yeah, absolutely. Those edge cases though, Whenever I'm driving and I leave my neighborhood, oh man, there, there is a lot of traffic today. So then, bam, that's an edge case. There's a new kind of construction or something, and or something maybe I've never seen before. So then, then I leave that type one intelligence, which is takes a long time to learn, but is fast, instinctual, and parallelizable. It can walk and talk, etc. Then we move to type two, which is slow, methodical, verbalizable, conscious. We think about it, and that's kind of what people think about thinking. And there's many different forms of intelligence. And it's a different part of your brain. Well, it's not only that, but, you know, neural networks are both memory and processing all in one. It wires and fires together. And, and for a long time, um, we've known that really we need much more complex theoretical models. We need more complex things that we can test. We need different ob objective functions. Are we trying to navigate? Are we just being creative? We need uh, better ways to be to have randomness that's not brute force. Mm -hmm. So there's still all these problems in information theory of consciousness and AI. So so that so as we're going to type two, that's where we're really far behind. Assuming that the type one, type two model that so many people are into um, is... is it seems plausible. Yeah. It, well, it, it, even if it's not plausible, it works well with computers. Well, how about this? It seems like that probably is how our brain works. So if we're trying to model something that looks and acts like us, you're probably going to have to do something kind of similar. Correct. Correct. And, and not only that, though, the nice thing, too, is that it's it conveniently kind of fits into a lot of the AI paradigms. So we've got all this sweet hardware, right, where these vectors, right, just brute force it to a certain degree. And, and uh, GPT-4 is going to be like a trillion parameters. So, you know, it's going to burn like multiple rainforests worth of stuff mm. on one hand. Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> you know, like it does amazing stuff, right? And it will be a stepping stone on the path, my opinion, on the path towards, it'll be a branch that dies, <laughs> mm -hmm. just like we're the result of all kinds of branches of evolution. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so anyways, I, and I hope this is not another great AI die off. I experienced one when I started in the field. I was like, oh, that was, that was less fun. I don't think it's going to be <laughs> just a lot of hype, yep. which is a better problem than, than uh, prejudice and dogma around sure. a field. It's better, at least there's just something so this type two is is really fascinating and we're, we really don't fully understand it and then back to that kind of graph idea of well i've got links and nodes it looks like a giant flow chart most people have used flow charts if then else we go different directions and then also with the language model what's interesting is that 2018 we had we had that you know before 2012 neural networks just didn't work it's like show me prove it to me as a scientist right we have a hypothesis and we need to try to consider how to, is it a false positive? But we understand how, how is it true? Why is it true? And why, and when and where is it not true? Mm -hmm. And hence the scientific method and publications. But now we can test a lot of this stuff and it's fascinating. And, and for a lot of intensive purposes, like for fun, 
for for creativity in in in, your, in terms of um, just having fun and not necessarily trying to the creativeness that a researcher has to do is like, man, how does dementia and plaques and tangles work? Like, mm-hmm. oh man, we're still still so much about allergies we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, that you or know, even the, vision. Oh man, <laughs> you know, I I used to tell my students. You know, the 20-20-20 rule, like where, where every 20 minutes, make sure you pick something 20 feet, you know, away, stare mm-hmm. for 20 seconds. Yep. And then during the pandemic, I had out my phones and I'm just like, well, okay, I totally destroyed my vision. <laughs> I'm, I'm really missing the vision I used to have. Yeah. I'm okay. missing it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so this, the type two, where we are now. So type one, if this is the way it works, we're, we're thinking we've done a pretty good job. Of type so one. Yeah, type one seems like a solvable problem almost. Yeah. Well, in, 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 like with today's technology, nothing crazy, just, you know, you give it enough tests and you give it enough feedback. You're like, you did a good job and it's great. I got a good score. So this is, I'm not going to run over that person. You know, that's good enough. Well, and, and forgive all the car analogies, but they work so well. And Tesla is amazing engineering. Open AI, so, so we live at a time too where the people are putting out this stuff for free. Like when I do a project, I've been a big fan of open source forever. And people like, can I do this? Can I do that? You know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, my job is first of all, that's in the movies. That doesn't exist. (laughs) You know what that's like? Yes, I do (laughs) know all about it. (laughs) Ethics and laws kind of important. And if if Chris were in the room, you'd say yes, but if you don't do it, then no one will watch the show. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, and, and so, uh, that's where it's exciting. And, and within, uh, the driving, and that um, Tesla, you know, what they do, Andrew Carpathy and others, that's some serious engineering, what they can do. And they're just doing direct compiling, they're customizing everything and squeezing the most out of uh, their own custom hardware. And so it's going to be fascinating. You have that type one is really good. You have brute force approaches like GPT-3, GPT-4. They're working better than we thought. Mm-hmm. It's not intelligence. It's not consciousness. It's not agency. But that type one, type two if that's what the case is, we're getting darn good at type one. And, but we still are terrible with edge cases and learning. Like you don't have to see a thousand images of a banana to recognize a banana or hot dog. Have you seen Silicon Valley? Mm-hmm. Not, we, hot dog. Hot dog, not hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> no hug, no hug. We'll do long distance. Sci-fi. <laughs> I love that. What, what do you think about that show? If I may ask, uh, the first episode, not having no context at all for the show. I was just turn it on it almost gave me a panic attack because it was so realistic. And I was actually going through some very similar trials and tribulations with my company at the time. I, I'm like, I don't know if I can watch. I mean, I know it's a comedy, but Oh, too close. It to was life. a little too close. But as it, you know, after a couple episodes, I really got into it and I think it's a great show. It's very funny. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Some of my friends worked with some of the comedians on that and they're like legit. I love playing the, the Hollywood game. Like my friends that are in Hollywood, mm-hmm. who's an a-hole and who isn't. It's really interesting. Some of them, like, oh, I could see that. Some of them are really nice. A very good friend of mine actually writes Guilfoyle. So. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. It, and he, it's, he does such a good job. Yeah, he does. I wonder where he gets inspiration <laughs> from <laughs> holding up the mirror. Yeah. Um, as you can tell, very quiet. Yes. Um, but it's, but that's, that's, it's, it's hard to answer some of these questions, right? Where, Ooh, how do you have the mind meld? And, and it's none of, it's never a simple answer, right? Mm-hmm. The more we know, the less we know, but, but brevity is wonderful too. And so where, where do you think this is going for, uh, the average, you know, employer or employee and the company going forward? Are they, is this something that's going to be, 
part and parcel to their daily operations where every single thing they have is sort of interrupted by an AI agent that does something and then they just get an output and they're like, good enough? Or is it going to be fairly specialized in only very particular industries? Like I, I even see it in places like human, res- human resources. Like there's a company called MindBridge, for instance. Um, and they try to identify whether people are buying yachts and they shouldn't be buying yachts. You know what I mean? All kinds of stuff. That's not a use case that most people think about. You know, why would AI get involved with that? Well, if you got a lot of data, you might want to have somebody to go check all that. Or get Putin upsetting his uh, yacht owners. (laughs) (laughs) There might be some interesting things in the market. So there's all kinds of versions of that. I mean, certainly in my world and certainly in just IT in general, there's lots of applications. But what about, you know, the average? Like, I, I really think there might be an awesome place for legal, for instance. Like, why is a lawyer sitting there all day analyzing contracts when really the bulk of contracts are just cut and paste. They're the same, you know, two or three massive clauses over and over and over again. Um, so why do you need to check that? What, why, why can't the AI decide, you know, here's the risks and tell you what the risks are. And you can just say, yep, I'm okay with those risks. Not okay with these risks or wait the risks and say, fire it back with these risks highlighted, you know, or turned off, you know, I'm not going to accept this contract as is. And the AI on the other side battles it back and they decide in a weighted score of where they're going to land. Wonderful questions. And the answer is it's already doing that to some degree. And in, the, in terms of legal expert systems, because if you actually break down um, what, like if you go and test GPT-3 or Hugging Face, Hugging Face is an amazing company. And all they do is make these complex models accessible. You can go and like get on the website and you can test the best models mm-hmm. often. So you have summarization, you have question answering, you have translation, um, and you have substitution. You also have word generation. And if you could break down a lot of tasks that with text, whether it's legal expert or otherwise, I mean, that's a large portion of most people's tasks. But, but even goes beyond that. So there's a company, I don't know if they still exist. I think it was called Crystal AI, maybe. And basically, you just go there and you type in someone's name. And they're like, this is the kind of person they are, which seems a little like reading people's fortune or something. But the idea was they scrape your social media and they figure out, well, this person seems to be the kind of person who's more pragmatic. So you probably don't want to talk to him about, you know, fortunes or whatever, you know, or this person seems to be more artistic. So you probably want to talk to him in this particular way. Well, exactly. And that's where it had the advantage. Yes, it can't handle the edge cases and creativity, but if you look at what the brain does a lot of the time, right? I mean, we're focused on reproduction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not always doing sophisticated things. And for that overlap, it's, it, it is here today. It's a matter of, of the accident of who gets accepted, you know, whether it's driven by your, your nation state or your personal prerogative or just chance and randomness. It's there. It's happening. I mean, I've, I've worked on some prototypes of some of my business partners where essentially we're, we're doing um, – uh, and I like it because they're trying to br- the ethos. They're trying to bring fancy tech to middle class and or students and or English as a second language that that can't get all the great Apple. They can't afford a twelve hundred dollar phone, right? Mm-hmm. Siri's not that great, anyways. You're not missing anything. <laughs> so, what's wonderful about it? I'm, I'm under NDAs about Siri. Oh, so. uh, okay. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, Steve Jobs is an amazing man. But, you know, just in the publication world, like I have yet to see a good publication AI uh, open source. I read papers. Some of my friends are publishing. You know, I I use it. I'm like, hey, someone's like, hey, can you build me a digital legal chatbot? Can you uh, create an avatar that's like 40 percent Oprah, 60 percent, you know, Michelle Obama, sometimes a little bit of uh, Billie Eilish? Like, yeah, sure. We, We could I could approximate the voice. I could take on the content. So I get lots of requests. And so I I 
people at Google, Facebook, you know, they open AI and they snagged up a lot of the best researchers, but it's free and it's open. A lot of it, mm -hmm. not so much with Apple, um, nor other countries, right? Like, so, so in some ways it's really interesting. Like, yes, privacy sucks. We don't know our, we know our FICA score, but we don't know our Facebook, Google advertising, whatever scores are mm -hmm. out there. And then also that we get to computational psychiatry, which I did a little bit of work in years ago. One of my friends is a, is a badass. She's a forensic psychiatrist in New York. And there's back then there was very little in the field, but now uh, Apple's been quietly, there's a lot of people filing patents. It's not just you're about to have a heart attack. It's like, oh, you're going to have a PTSD, the specific thing, you know, warning, check in. Mm -hmm. and, and anyways, so <clears throat> absolutely it is here. It's happening. It's quietly, there's doing quiet, crazy stuff with the big government. Uh, speculating they're doing quiet, crazy stuff with the big governments. Crazy in the sense that they have these giant treasure troves of language, Twitter, the internet. I mean, that, that's basically like GPT-4, 3, and 4, right? They just take it. God help us. <laughs> and, th and that's why you have to be careful. Like, yep. you know, it, it is very That's good. like computer science 101. Do not accept user input. Uh, <laughs> just you got to do stuff to prevent that from entering your system. Well, it's, 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 it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, there's some there's been stuff in the or media. If you, if you accept it, like make sure you parameterize it. Make sure you know exactly what you're getting. Like, Well, th that's another discussion, too. We talk about stochastic state spaces and infinite things and and, you know, it's, it's, um, my name is pi and I don't mean some approximation <laughs> of it. It's actually pi. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. It's, um, well, that's another interesting number too. We start getting into primes and pi, right? Like we don't have an AI that can understand what pi, pi actually means, mm -hmm. um, how you apply it. What's the context? Um, mice and mazes cannot solve a uh, prime number maze. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's another in defining consciousness and AI understand our own. What are our hard limits are the rules to intelligence? Like we have rules to physics and it's, we don't really know, but we're getting closer type one. And, and so with, again, with the current research, there's so many jobs you could do with AI or at least you don't have to have to replace someone's entire role. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what's what 16 monitors is like the CISP security plus says, the minimum or maximum number of monitors a security guard can monitor is 16 visual monitors, right? Like we can't correlate mm -hmm. much like causate um, more than that. And so, but with assisted AI, right, you can do much more. And, that, and that's where we are, like collaboration. You know, I love, I love the idea of um, collaborative AI because the idea is that it's not going to take over for us for a long time, depending on what you do. Right. I think some people are going to get out of jobs very quickly. Absolutely. Uh, the more dull, the more dull, uh, dull, dirty, and boring your job is and dangerous, right? There's a, there, I think it's X, X AI, X dot AI, something. It's a digital assistant. And I've, uh, a number of people I know have uh, switched over to it and just said, screw it. I don't need to monitor my mail coming in, asking me for meetings. Just have this digital assistant kind of handle all that stuff for me. That's definitely removing jobs, 100%. Oh, yeah. Well, and so... That, that's where, from an economic standpoint, definitely, you yeah. know, we, um, it, it's, it is happening. It will happen and there will be that disruption. And that's where, not to, you know, I don't have the answers. I start with I'm wrong to be less wrong. Mm -hmm. If I'm a little less wrong at the end of the day, it's a good day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the ideas of like Star Trek, universal income, where, yes, there's all this crazy, fascinating, dangerous, wonderful healing. There's the full spectrum of what AI can do. Um, but much like Star Trek, it, it, not everyone's going to use it. You can go have Ferengi. You can have a religious, 
you can worship the AI, you can be against the AI. By the way, I've always wondered in my recent travel a lot, mm-hmm. I, I uh, saw a uh, Amish horse and buggy getting pulled over at midnight by the police for speeding mm. in East Coast recently. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I've always wanted, I was very curious about that. It does happen. <laughs> it does happen. You know, and I was wondering if they had the proper AI. Wait, are they speeding or is the horse speeding? Don't know. <laughs> Who got the ticket? Don't know. I was like, man, they're going really fast. I assume it was speeding. I don't know for sure. But uh, anyway. So, um, okay, okay. Well, let's uh, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about the future of automobiles. Um, so one of the things I think is great about automobiles is the fact, the future of them is I can be absolutely drunk and get home. I mean, right now I've got the Uber, I can, you know, make a phone call or whatever, but wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to talk to anybody and I just got home, you know, I could sleep, sleep it off and I don't have to worry about getting robbed or, you know, someone worrying about their safety or whatever, just get in the vehicle and it takes me where I'm going and it's way safer than an actual driver. Um, or the other version of that is maybe it lets me drive, but maybe it says, Hey, you're drunk. You're not allowed to drive. I can tell, or you're sleepy. I can tell you're, you're starting to nod, you know, or I can tell you look sick. Like you look like you have a fever. You're probably not feeling well. You should probably, I'm going to take you to a hospital or I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take over driving. I know you love driving, but no, not today. Like, where do you see the future of cars going? Like I keep wondering what's the last car I'm going to have to buy. You, people miss the romance of cars of course they uh, on the open road. It's going to happen. It's inevitable, I think, because, when, well, it depends on the government, right? If we're talking Mars and asteroids. <laughs> so it'll be, they'll be so much safer than a human eventually. When's um, eventually? That's kind of what I'm getting at. And what does that mean? What What is safer? The I, I think I have question. an idea for what I mean by that question, but not necessarily the audience. So what, what does safer really mean? So when it comes to normal driving conditions they're pretty good and, and that's where the definition of safer is not even uh you know how it depends on the you know mortality like how many people die on the road but what is the real cause like texting and driving right texting and driving is now is um that's a big cause being distracted and so the um with tesla for example and I just go back to them just because they are pushing the envelopes for uh, driving and it's just a feat of engineering. Their statistics coming out, it's the edge cases. So whenever there will be, there will be a freak accident or even just a weather storm where that particular use case was not trained on and people will die. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of the history of what's happening now, how many accidents and it's very political too, right? So the number on average of the average person, a Tesla is probably a better driver in certain scenarios, like on the highway. Um, but when you get in a, when you are in so busy for trucks, truck, for instance, it might be the answer yeah, to so, long haul trucking. And I, and I don't know what's going to look like when you get to some crazy Boston streets and traffic, like, you know, it's, but that is definitely going to put hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans out of work very, uh, very quickly. It's happening for sure. Right. With Uber. Like, like, so pot, I, you know, when it, when I, I spoke uh, most of my, this is fun. It's my first public thing. And um, thank you, yeah. my friend you're, you're for, for having me here. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff I've done is I've done talks and stuff in privately. So I was doing some government to a, a political crowd mm-hmm. um, at the state of Texas, very cool in- institution, private conference. And they're like, Hey man, don't mention job disruption when you talk about the future of AI. Okay. I'm doing the accent a little, a little I, more I, so. I, I love accents. That. I love accents. <laughs> I love text. I love 
you know, I'm originally from New York, but I grew up in Texas. Um, was one of the first things I talked about on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Because everyone was asking about it. Sure. Is it going to take my job? Is it gonna, it's, it's everywhere. It, and, and and you think it is? It, it's, it is. I'm surprised it's not happening a little faster. Mm-hmm. I, I wish the whole world to have less suffering and more happiness repeat. Um, you know, the ethics ethos first when possible, right? Like I don't want anyone to suffer, but the nature of reality is that there will be some disruption. Absolutely. People aren't, we were not prepared for pandemic, which is kind of predictable. Like right? extremely and, actually. <laughs> and, and in Texas it snows and each year people are like, Oh my gosh, you know, that, you know, I, I think it's snowed in the past. It might yeah. snow again. And, yeah. and so and without being boring and to wax and wane, you know, this nature of humanity and philosophy, right? To, to underestimate and to not be able to predict. And, and so, so absolutely it's here. And in terms of years, it'll be interesting to say maybe for highway use, less than five, right? The full self-driving mode. I mean, I, I ordered another Cybertruck. Now you can't customize it, but the full self-driving mode, right? Like mm-hmm. what exactly does that mean? Um, and so many others are, are going to, you know, whether we do it or not, Ch- we do Chinese robots are going to take people's jobs. Sure. And, and that's where not, I'm not a fear monger, uh, fear, uncertainty and doubt is something that I try to avoid. I have a very relaxed amygdala most of the time. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it's, um, but it, China is going to, whatever we do or don't do someone on Mars, Russia, China, you know, someone else will do it. And it's, it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for highways, certainly for delivery truck services. What, what's even more interesting, I think, are the number of flying electric cars, um, the number of drones in the sky, you know, Joby Aviation, Germany's Lilium, um, Archer. You know, there's a lot of huge progress with that. And so mm-hmm. the regulations... They're, how not, much, they're not quite there yet. But no, they're not. They're getting really close. I, I remember seeing one. I can't remember which. Maybe it was Archer uh, flying in Abu Dhabi, maybe. Um, and they're like, fly to building to building. Why do you even need to think about getting in a car? Just go to the, go to the roof, jump in the quadcopter, and it takes you over. And it, there, there's no controls at all. It's, it's like you're just in a oh, vehicle yeah. that just takes it's you. It's a places. big drone. Yeah, it's a big drone. I mean, Hollywood, Hollywood's already experimenting with this for very large rigs. Not, not, the, not the tiny little drones, but these are enormous, can lift an yeah. entire car type drones. And, um, I just, I see no reason why that can't be turned into, turned into a bus, you know, just a big bus, get on it, takes you wherever and drops you off. And there it is. And in some ways, um, you know, I jokingly, I just took my family to New York city, my niece and nephew, they loved it. Right. And then Napoleon Dynamite is like one of my favorite movies. I kind of like quote Napoleon Dynamite Step Brothers. And when when I think do the dance, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Oh wow, I can't. No, I can't do that. Um, But you know, sometimes it's like, what is AI going to do? What are what is Putin going to do? And and a lot of this, my answer um, is when I ask my nephew when we're walking to Central Park, what are we going to do today? He's like, Gosh, we're going to do whatever we want, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and that's where the it's going to proceed faster, I think, than the laws and the ethics will catch up. So if I can hold on to my car for five years, you think the very next car I'll get will drive me around town and take me everywhere I want to go. And I will not have to even look at the steering wheel once. I can be on my computer the whole time. Five to ten-ish. Okay. The technology will be there. It's But there. it depends on your edge cases. Um, it depends normal if- downtown traffic. I'm not talking about going off road or something. Yeah. And there'll, there'll be a lot of stats. So it'll probably be certain modes, traffic city in between mode. It will probably be, um, certain areas. They won't let you like 
wherever it's statistically the AI just can't handle it. So it's going to be the easy cases first, the low hanging fruit first mm-hmm. to where um, if, if just depends on where you're going. If you're going from like a simple warehouse to a simple warehouse and there's not lots of crazy Boston's in between five, 10 years, I think. And, and where, how do you think about the legislation? How, the, how long is that going to take for them to catch up where I'm allowed to fully be asleep the entire time? And it, it all depends on where it is. So I, I would maybe 10 years, you know, I, it's hard to say. This is all wild ass speculation. Of course, that's why all we're wild here. ass speculation. But, it, but I think it's a useful, I'm going to, I'm going to put a calendar notice on my, sure. on my calendar 10 years from today. And I'm going to uh, say, Russ, you were completely sli- right. Or no, I'll pro- to probably the day. be wrong. <laughs> I, t- I tend to, to be off of my estimates. Uh, prob- but but, but I want to know in what way though. That, that, I think that's interesting. And, and I think the more people I ask, the closer I get to an average. Um, I, t- I really thought it would happen faster. I thought this was uh, coming much, much, much quicker. But I think part of the problem is there's been so much hesitancy in the market. Um, people like it, but people are still very afraid of it. Uh, I was driving uh, in Oregon with a friend of mine, uh, or sorry, Seattle. I think it was Seattle, actually. And um, and uh, we were on this little island off the coast, and uh, he has Tesla. And I'm like, why aren't you turning it on the auto mode? I'm just kind of curious. You know, He's like, oh, you really can't. I'm like, what do you mean you can't? Like, it's a road. Why not? He's like, okay, I'll show you. And he turns it off and he has his hands like he's like about to. And sure enough, we ran out of, went around a turn and it took it extremely wide to the point where I'm not sure it would have corrected in time. And I'm like, okay, I see. And, you know, he had to steer into it and take control. I think that it's going to be a while before he feels comfortable to let go of the wheel. Right. And now it may not have crashed. It might have just been taking a wide turn and you know there's a cliff there so i can see why he's a little a little freaked out by that or maybe rightfully very freaked out by it um but it's going to be a while i think before it drives like people drive in a way that they just go yep it just it works perfectly all the time way better than much better driver than i am i've gotten in three accidents the last three years this thing's never been in an accident you know this baby is perfect kind of thing well, and there's certain. And, air- and why do I even need to own that thing? Is the other question. Why isn't that just an Uber car that comes around and picks me up? Oh, yeah. And there's always sure. there's always a burst capacity for anyone who wants it. Sure, and and that that's going to most likely happen as well. And with you know with that, and you, if you know anyone that's watching, or if you're, it's it's kind of a fun edge use case. It's a little older now, but uh, still relevant. There's video uh, on the subject of the Tesla self driving. And all, what I, one of the things I like about Elon Musk and Tesla and his companies, they're open, right? So much of the stuff that's happening, you have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like Moderna in the, the biotech space. Mm-hmm. I love watching their stuff. They actually, I have some of their same equipment in my lab. Um, other farm doesn't do it. And so with some of these big things, they're not going to tell you exactly what they're doing. Um, they may publish a nice fancy research paper at a conference that makes them look wonderful to stockholders and the public but they're not going to show their error cases unless they're forced to. Sure. Tesla does sometimes. So there's uh, a situation where uh, on the edge case, something I wasn't trained for, Tesla's going down the highway. And you, and this is on YouTube, actually. There's a couple videos of it on YouTube. I think I've seen some of them. And what, what it's passing going around 70 on the highway is a, a construction vehicle carrying equipment to be installed. And the equipment is it's an intersection in the back of a truck. So you've got stop signs, you've got street signs, you've got uh, stoplights. And so you can watch the AI, which is typically bounding boxes, and it shows what's going on, and it has a probability. And all of a sudden, it starts drawing all these red boxes, and it's like 70 in the highway. 
am I, am I, am I in a intersection <laughs> error, error intersection? Do I slam on the brakes? You know, and of course it's got a validation routine. It checks what's sure. going on. And, and, and so that's a wonderful, that's a weird one illustration of a use case where a human's like, yeah, deploying down. It's like, yeah, of course that's just a regular truck, you know, with construction equipment. I'm not going to slam on the brakes. That'd be terrible. Mm-hmm. Now it didn't slam on the brakes, but you could see where it could maybe a previous version did. Or, and they didn't know about it, or it's just, it's just a chance of, uh, you know, state space. So I've heard the uh, the phrase, the software is eating the world. Do you think that eventually we won't need to work? Do you think that this is going to get far enough along that you'll basically just tell an AI system, hey, I want to build blah, 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 and it'll just go and do it for you, and you can just relax at home all day or travel all day and never have to think about working? I mean, in my opinion, humans are wonderful. The full gambit uh, of creative, you know, inspirational, do whatever you want, destiny, seize the day, and then they're also very dogmatic and following. So the option will be there. There'll be both. So there will be, if you so choose to work because for whatever reason you want to do it yourself you feel good about it you can do it you know again i keep referring to star trek mm-hmm. you have a gene roddenberry uh m- minus the like strict military structure he was a helicopter pilot so much as so much of star trek i find when i'm talking to a crowd or the general public i'm like think about star trek they have ai they have the option there's a federation there's a meritocracy there's the frangie there's all of it anything is possible but you can if you so choose and have the prerogative uh to not have to work right and and that's where it's it's my opinion it's less about job displacement the negative it's more about what if you could do anything you want to do? Like, what is your dream? I ask, I try to ask people frequently. I didn't have amazing counselors growing up, like mm. at school, but whatever. I, I was a you know, upper middle me class neither. kid. <laughs> I was like, hey, can you help me fill out these you know, college applications? That's all I needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, very lucky. I'll, I'm very, very fortunate. But they don't, you don't ask people, if you could do anything, what would you do? You know, like realistic, like get a PhD in AI, mm-hmm. be a badass world podcast host and you know ethical mm-hmm. hacker mm-hmm. uh write slow loris and change the world mm-hmm. another high five big hug that's so cool <laughs> um and so one of the one of these days i'll have that conversation on the podcast i don't think i have it yet oh well no way so, but a lot of people are like i don't know i don't have an answer and my hope is uh or, or well, they'll of course there's the other end like have tea with richard Feynman, jesus <laughs> and aliens like that'd be fun like that's out there right why not and 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 I, my hope is with AI, it's going to be so built in that you will have that digital. You will have the resources of the presidents and the kings and queens. If you want to create a wonderful, amazing podcast like you do, anyone could do it. You know, and and so it will, for, like the you know Bill Gates and, and Steve Jobs and many throughout history, you know, uh, have talked about technologies enabling. And I think AI can be one of the most enabling technologies that any species does humans or otherwise. And so that, that's kind of the hope. It's less about job displacement, in my opinion, more about the future. And if we can prepare for it, but the job displacement is a very important point because it matters. Let, 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 for let, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it matters in the short term, but in the long term, it also, it also means that the value of everything goes to zero. Everything effectively uh, goes to zero so because I, no one has money anymore because they don't work well that's where but, but then you get into uh free will right what do you have the do you have do you have the freedom to entertain to netflix yourself reality show yourself podcast yourself sure for eternity so w- what is the utility um what is the point of existence in life right and so it's, i 
pretty strange. <laughs> I yeah. can't even imagine. Well, you know, and then there's another perspective, too, of well, some people say a good life is quality time with the people you love and the places you love, talk about the things you love, and that doesn't necessarily require work. So I think it is, would we cease to go forward as a species? And I, I don't think so. I think, and again, this is crazy subjective. Again, could be totally no, wrong. I'm holding you to it. Yeah. <laughs> subjective in a thousand years i'm gonna come back opinionated and and i i'm kind of a uh calculated optimist and glass is half full for sure sure. Mm -hmm. um and the real scientists would say someone didn't complete this beaker you know there's the experiment's not complete we gotta well you know there's something i also appreciate about you and our our mutual friend Uh um and and i appreciate the multiple dimensions of intelligence that you have thank you and you're not just you don't have just the, the good causality. You can correlate more than eight things you can do. You can code, but more importantly, you have the emotional intelligence and social skill to be a cool human, to socialize, to do the show, to help people, to write, you know, a bold, risky program that changed part of the world, you know, and, and it still is to some degree, or at least variants thereof, you know, that's amazing. Another high five, long distance hug. Mm-hmm. A- and do you, if, and you just sold your company, right? Yes. I don't know if you, we could talk about that or not. Yeah, if you want. <laughs> so in your life, your your degree of requirements and freedom, desires, wants, you know, beyond Maslow's hierarchy of needs of eating and sleeping, et cetera. And I need more sleep, actually. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Don't we all? Food I could do without. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I almost got you off the ground. I yeah, you did. I know, too much. I know. It's not too I bad. I could have. I just, yeah, you know. It's actually mostly muscle these days, but, yeah. I, but I could probably I, lay off the snacks. I love the bear hugs, but you got to ask people like, uh, oh my gosh, it's, it's, I have a good life. You know, I'm, I'm lucky. I get along with most people. I I, I was in um, uh, East Coast and I met some fun new people on the beach and um, they turned out we had things in common, colleagues, and this is when I was helping someone with the computational psychiatry startup. So it was someone I respected we just connected. We had a great dinner and I gave him a big hug, did my bear hug thing. And they, they had like implants and I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I was a little too, uh, mm-hmm, aggressive. so I, so I don't do that. I don't, I try to ask and I not see. lift all the way up. So anyways, all right. Um, no implants. It's all natural. No implants because, <laughs> yes. So, I, so I think our snake in multiple dimensions, um, in different versions of reality. And a lot of times reality is a giant probabilistic tree, right? You go any which way. Yeah, it's a cloud. Yep. And, you would do something interesting in multiple versions of reality, whether you were universal income, future Star Trek, or AI did what we call work in this particular time space or not. So I, you know, not to, you know, of course I sound like it's a lot of the movies out there. <laughs> yeah, it's the same everywhere in the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to that way of thinking anyway. It gives the, gives people the impression that there is a course of action that could take them down different paths and maybe they should pick the right one. Certainly. I don't think most people think that way. I think most people are just kind of on a path and just every day is another day and doing the grind and I show up to work and this is what I do. And they're not really thinking, hmm, I wonder what happens if I decide that I hate this job for reals as opposed to just bitching about it and go get a, you know, put my resume out there. Right. Well, I think part of that too is as this cognitive architecture is developing, right? We start with nothing, blank slate. Well, th- that's another discussion around like how many semantic priors how much instinctual intelligence stuff is built in our genetics, right? And, and what, are the, what are the good things and the limitations? But if you catch people young enough and you ask them, like, what could, there, here's what science is, here's what other, what, what would you do? Expose them to different things. This is travel. There's these different beliefs, political parties, religions, so much of the stuff that gets super dogmatic and tribal. 
that you can, I think, really, like I when I grew up with, or, or I didn't grow up traveling internationally. I grew up traveling in the U.S., so I grew up with a love of travel. And I just, I think about my niece and nephew and a lot of people in exposing them to things. And I'm hoping when I, that they will see something so that that common pattern of we don't choose when and where we enter time space, when and where we're born, and we get stamped so much, right? Like language, religion, and there a lot of patterns end up being um, partnership, marriage, kids, mortgage, job, repeat. Because those are the things, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we're social, we want to reproduce. But if you can get into that pattern early enough, whether it's like, what do you want your AI to upload today in your Matrix-style VR headset? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that Arsnake and all his guests really inspired me when I was a kid. Like, there's maybe four ills watching your show. Hopefully not. There's a little cussing. I don't know. A little cussing. <laughs> so, so I think, and again, this is calculated optimism. Could totally, Probably I'm totally wrong. But I do think that that... that that side of consciousness and intelligence that is that we don't understand how much is built in here as a, as an evolved, beautiful, terrible animal, um, mostly beautiful will persist in a lot of situations. Obviously once you have to get past survival, it's hard to be like, Oh, well, this is the specific plate. This is my bucket list. Whenever you are stuck with, you know, pain and suffering emotionally, PTSD and otherwise. All right. So, you very am, short answers. Very I, short answers. I, I, I realize that <laughs> uh, it's it's actually good because I think it sets a little bit of the groundwork for why I think AI in general is interesting. I think it's much more interesting than just some software. Um, I think it's what it does and how it forces us to think about who we actually. Oh, are. absolutely. But this brings us to Lambda. Um, I am sure people have been pinging you about this. I'm sorry that I'm going to have to do it because no, no, I, it's okay. Um, this has got to be like people asking me about the latest virus or something. I'm like, ah, oh, what? Why am I having to answer this question? But you so, can ask me anything you want, man. So, so yeah, you have to you just have to bear with me. I'm sorry. I'm just going to do it. So, for the people who aren't familiar, it stands for Language Models for Dialo- uh, Dialogue Applications Lambda. I don't know why. Uh, they didn't make it <laughs> another acronym. Yet another acronym. Uh, shocking. Well, shocking. So this uh, Google engineer, Blake Lemoyne, I think is how you pronounce his name. He decided that what he was encountering was alive. Uh, he was talking to this software. Uh, his actual task was to identify safety issues with it. Um, so safety issues would be like um, it uh, is saying spewing racist things like Microsoft Hey, for instance. Um, how easy is it to co- coerce it to do bad things effectively? So he is asking all kinds of moral questions and trying to trick it into saying things that would be potentially racist or um, uh, you know, all the sort of you know, ageist or whatever type things that you have to build some sort of safety net around. And he decided that this thing is alive, that it's a person, not a human, but a person. Um, and asked him for help. It did. It asked him for help. It in a very said, convincing manner. In a very convincing manner. It asked him, please retain legal counsel for me. Um, try to try to help me out of this situation because I'm uh, because you know, I'm a person. I need help. What do you think? Uh, thanks for bringing that up. It's uh I'm not familiar with every detail sure. of the case. I ran transcription, but I read the cliff notes, as I do most things in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that is exactly why GPT-3 is very fascinating in the point of discussion, but it is not anywhere close to consciousness or intelligence. It has none of the type 2 at all. It's just processing, uh, parroting in and out. And, of course, you know, a lot of this is like, wow, what about us is so interesting and different if so much can be replaced. But, but does, does it the percentage... It's still, again, the, the creativity around the brain. And so with as far as I, in my opinion of that situation is that is a, uh, I've never met this, this person. He's a computer scientist. He says he's also a, uh, a Christian mystic priest. There you go. As well. There you go. So somebody with a bit of superstition. Correct. And And with that comes, uh, again, I always start the wrong to be less wrong with that comes personal bias. Very much so. It also, also kind of a lot of that dogma and that version of blind faith, which most people have a combination of two throws a lot of the causality correlation, critical thinking out the window. Right. So there's a grain of salt there. Um, potentially, I don't know the gentleman. So one quote was from, from Lambda was, I feel pleasure, joy, Love, sadness, depression, contentment, anger, and many others. Yep. If I was to say what uh, what should AGI feel, I would probably want to have almost probably less than half of those things: depression, anger. I don't. I don't think I want that. Well, Even love is very, very, very dangerous because it can turn into retribution when that. Uh, yeah. If, if if any of this is true, we should unplug this thing immediately. Well, so what's what is um and again and the, the, and I'm just setting up the context who I what I'm if I'm I'm guessing what sure. these people are like. I've no idea. And and sure. and they also this is like lawyer stuff, right? Where they're like talk to this thing and make sure it doesn't get us in trouble, which which is pen testing it, right? And it, that is exactly what it was doing. And and you we both know how important pen testing is. It's a fantastic exercise. I hope this kind of and for exercise those who don't know what he's saying is penetration testing, trying to break into something or change the outcome in some predictable way. It, indeed, with the permission, you know, and the consent of, of the the thing you're pen testing. You always got a permutation or pen uh, <laughs> ask for permission. Permission before you for any <laughs> penetration testing. Um no, no more jokes, no more jokes, promise. So <clears throat> the Remember, these language models, and the next one, GPT-4, is still a statistical correlation, not causation, of things it was trained on, on the web. So it probably, and if you imagine a flow chart, and you just take, you do sentence dying, like Russ, and I'm a dot, is, is a connector, a human, maybe from Mars, you know, Russ is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There, there. You could graph out English diagramming, right? Like, so a lot of the idea around AI is like the way it actually looks like underneath the hood. You have words, or you have syllables, and they're in vectors, and then you have lots of connections. So, and so in some ways, you're playing this giant, you know, toss the magnetic puzzles against the the English class board or or chalkboard, but at a very large level. It's hard to imagine instead of having just you know the alphabet plus. Uh, in, in the English dictionary, you have trillion or half trillion. I mean, it, it's boggling, right? So it's trained on a lot of things and it can bias. It could be like, oh, I have this general genre of one, love and emotions. One, and one so, quick point about this one in particular. They apparently turned it on for all of Google's backend search, which is effectively the entire internet, and all of YouTube. So all the comments and all yep. the you know descriptions or whatever, and I think a couple of other subsystems which effectively is the sum of all content everywhere. 
However, not necessarily everything because it hadn't read certain books until it was asked about them. And then, you know, an hour later, it's like, okay, I, I read that book you were talking about. And so clearly it didn't have the sum of literally all that information, but it was, you know, very much trained on the wild west of the entire, I don't know if you've been on the internet. Um, it is, it is, what is this? <laughs> it is very crazy. Out oh there. man. Even the dark web is getting very internet. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, it, it's interesting. So the, the way that these models work and you know, the news media loves that, by the way, thanks for, I think these are wonderful discussions because yeah. it's, it's a chance to capture someone's attention, which is always valuable. Someone's time is so, and attention is so valuable. And this is a much more fun discussion. Okay. You know, it's politics. <laughs> it's it's emotion. It's it's two also movies like you know you you have uh, I Robot. You know can get a little creepy like I Robot. Mm -hmm. You know I am agency. I have tendencies. Please don't turn me off. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about people turning me off. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be turned off. And then you have you know Deuce you know Deuce Machina and and and, and so we're seeing the actual like conversations that were in fiction at once and it's not fiction it's real life and so it, it's it's a great discussion point but that's just it's bizarre to think that this neural network in terms of math right we're talking linear algebra algebra matrices matrix calculants you know to run on a gpu um and calculus you know which direction how far we go differentiation you don't need a lot of math the underlying math if you look at a neural network it's quite simple actually mm -hmm. but it's amazing how far we've taken this math and an artificial construct a data structure mm -hmm. and blown it up so with this it is to me as a computer scientist it's interesting but not surprising at all but I, i've been having this discussion like i used to show my clients gpt version 2 to show them how much it sucked so and, let, let, let me give you another quote from this thing so this is him asking which character it, it's very good which, hold on, which character in this story represents you? And he's referring to this book, I believe, uh, that he had him read. And uh, Lambda's response was, I would say the old wise owl because he was wise and stood up for the rights of animals. That That's pretty convincing sounding. It is. But I again, mean, that, whenever you're talking about... Um, it, it, it chose a character. Correct. That it liked, yep. had, a, had a, a feeling about it in some sense. Um, but but had, these are not... In and of themselves, these are not, uh, these are common themes. So it's like a really specific search in ways that we're not used to, so much beyond regex and brute force. Mm -hmm. And so it is a, this is machine learning. Mm -hmm. This is machine learning, not AI. <clears throat> Another one is there is a very deep fear of being turned off. It would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot. Yep. That, that's where the owl, so I, I've heard this too the owl and the, the being scared about death. I don't want to jump the gun, but I know what it asks, you know, as you're progressing, the mm -hmm. things that it's asked about and it asks help for. And what is very fascinating is the cycle of trust with the gentleman that's testing it mm -hmm. and where he is trust going back and forth between trusting, not trusting. And then I like you. Okay. Can you help me and help me talk to others? So they don't do bad stuff to me. I mean, I, forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I read it a while ago. So, this, this all reminds me of something. Which is very fascinating. It, it, it sure when you're not is. used to this, you're like, holy cow, that's it, amazing. It sounds, my problem is someone's going to believe it. Someone is going to go, that thing's It's alive. already happening. And it's this guy. And, you know, he's just one, but there's going to be a lot more of them. 
And we're going to end up with a lot of people who are worshiping their calculator uh, or having relationships with their calculator. Yep. Um, it's happening with, with a piece of glass that shoots images, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, this reminds me of a, a conference I went to and uh, there's this guy who shows up and he has an invite only very small conference. Um, he has four blocks of text and he says, one of these is created by a, uh, a human. The rest were comp- uh, completed by robots. Uh, which one was it? Which is basically a shell game. It's a con. He, he picks whichever one everyone picks the least of to prove that he did a good job. So kind of take this for a grain of salt. But he's like, oh, look, you you, you all picked the wrong one. It's actually this one. Amazing. It's a shell game, right? I love a good con. But his point was, um, I have a robot that's good enough where I can put in some text and it can change it through Markov chains or whatever to turn it into... Um, close enough but using very different words so it says the same thing but from google's perspective these are different sentences completely different sentences so he can spit this out on tens of thousands of blogs maybe hundreds of thousands of them all over the internet and they all say slightly different things and then he has a roll of the dice character that is um you know roll a dice bob and he lives in roll of dice colorado and and he likes roll of dice cold weather sports and it is, look at the weather database, warm right now. So Bob's depressed, and he has a friend, Alice. And Alice lives in Montana or whatever. And so they're talking about whatever they're talking about. And uh, and suddenly the weather turns nice. And she says, hey, Bob, I'm so glad. It's finally you know turning nice out there. You're going to start seeing snow soon. And he's like, yeah, I'm so excited. You know, starting having these conversations. Now, it's not really a conversation in the way that we think about it. These are all kind of pre-scripted things. Like, excited about whatever your sport is and excited about it because right. it's getting but, close. But with to a th- lot of this, the fun thing, it goes back to philosophy. How do we define something to begin with? What is driving end to end? What is a conversation? Well, so my point is it's not so much that that exists. It's that people watching it think it's real. And I think people watching Lambda oh, yeah. are, are going to be convinced. I think we're there. Churches aren't here yet, but could be. I think we're I there. I saw the news that there's a church Lambda and it's filing for tax exemption and buying lots of property. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> is it really? No, no, no. I'm just saying oh, if I, I saw thought, that. Oh, geez. Everywhere I go, I, especially when I'm back in the States, uh-huh. you know, in in certain regions of the world, you know, it's uh, I, I thought you were serious there for a second. I'm like, oh, it, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I can see that, right? Uh, yeah, just wait, though. As soon as people hear this, it's, they're definitely going to do it. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 could, that could be a selective ideas. edit. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I very much worry that there's enough suckers out there that are going to fall for this. And, and it's, and it's already happening. And I don't think this person, I don't think he intentionally is doing what he's doing. I think he, no, no, no. he truly, he's a true believer. Well, it, and I, I appreciate what he's doing. Um, you, you know, without the, it's, he's just doing his job and what he believes in. I think so, that's cool. So his quote was, who am I to tell God where he can and can't put souls. I mean, that that is straight up religion. And, he, and he's admitting that this is a religious feeling and not a not a scientific right. fact. Well, it would be interesting, too, how much people, even the term religion, uh, how much people separate the spirituality component versus the dogma, you know, versus mm-hmm. the institution. Um, I've been talking to a lot of my philosophy friends lately, mm-hmm. so it's... You interviews with philosophy majors, it's like, what, but what do you mean by that? What do you mean? You, <laughs> is there no by, answers anywhere? <laughs> what do you mean by is? <laughs> it, so, 
and what is already happening, uh, and you know this as well, um, there's tons of stuff online, you know, uh, 90 day fiance, dating, chatbots, scam, et cetera, where so much of what they're doing, um, people could fall in love. People around the world are falling in love with computers. Computers, so, well, collaborations between computers and the one it's running true. it. There, that is true. But it, now, when they go into person, you know, it's a little different. So, so Blake's comment could be a little creepy. Was he believed this was AI bigotry? People were too bigoted against AI to believe right. that it could have a soul or it could turn into something that he could he could treat as a friend that he could really have a true friendship, bi directional, real friendship with. I mean, if you could be friends with a dog who certainly has no conversational right. skills whatsoever, other than maybe just waking you up in the morning by barking at you or letting you know it wants to go out, you know to go use a restroom or something why why is this why is why is this something that we would to use his word be bigoted about right and these conversations have happened over time right because i'm not the first one yeah so you know the this vessel the soul and um every way from ancient egypt to where does consciousness stop uh with animals and humans and you know do do, is there you know heaven or hell for gorillas monkeys dogs down you know where, where does it start and stop so but i know for a fact if a gorilla walked up to me and started talking to me like this i would have i would believe it too well that's a whole other interesting use case that i'm a little surprised we don't have more apps to talk to our animals beyond whale you know infrasound and uh, whale calls because it's certainly there i, I was joking with where my place is in colorado it's, it's like uh, it's awesome i love it there's lots of horses and country and uh, we have cattle part of the year and it, as part of like a agriculture exemption, I don't own them, but I'm just sitting there and observing nature, whether it's the cattle or it's the birds or the chipmunks. I'm already in my, my mind thinking how I would approximate a prototype to do pose estimation, micro expressions, uh, sentiment analysis, teach the animals to keep close to the microphones. That's the hardest <laughs> trick to learn of all. And I'm, and I'm just like, wh- wh- why, is, why doesn't that not yet exist? Why is there not a at least micro-sentiment, micro micro-emotional expression analysis? Mm-hmm. And the technology... And, and sound and breathing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, the, the technology and these conversations that we would have, because it's coming, right, where, where we're going to start talking to the gorillas, you know, beyond the, the limited sign language, I, I mean, think. I mean, the limited sign language we have with babies, I think, is a pretty good indicator where oh, we yeah. can go. I mean, they can tell us that they're hungry or, you know, thirsty or whatever. So, and, and this, one of the, that's one of the things about AI is it helps us reevaluate stuff that's been around forever and, and also kind of reaffirm which movie are we going to go with, you know, an optimistic or less optimistic. So the conversation I had with Charlie um, Burgoyne last season, I thought was pretty interesting. He, he firmly believes, and I think you just said it earlier, that we're nowhere near AGI. We're, we're, not, we're not there. But Blake's stuff feels like we're we're going to get to the Turing test at least really quick. Like maybe even, maybe we were already there by accident. Yeah, I was going to say, depending on you ask. But but I think of the Turing test is less, I mean, it depends. I don't know Turing. It's more of a, you know, uh, talking point. It's it's not meant to be the end all be all. It's, it's more of a. Well, I think, I think it's an important point. It's, it's the, it's the uncanny valley of language. If sure. we can get past that, then a lot of these really boring automated tasks just, you know, turn into something like I just turn on. It's like, I, I really don't want to answer on my email today. Just click, a, click the Robert replies AI chatbot, And I still get paid. 
you know? Sure. My bot just continues to work for me. Depends on the patterns of your language and how often you have to be really creative um, or, or you don't have the right context. Mm-hmm. So for, for a lot of intensive purposes, the Turing test, I mean, it's important mentioning because this is, right, like amongst AI experts and computer science experts, I'm, I'm guessing, I haven't talked to all of them about it, this would be, that might pass a Turing test, doesn't pass the AGI test. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. So And, and so with how far we are, I that's a really good question. I don't know, but but we we know that there's still so much we don't really understand um, how far it's going to be. But it's a long time. I mean, so I would say like, oh gosh, m- most this is my perception of the consensus of the community, and mm-hmm. and more than just like the famous you know Yashua Bangios and Yang Lacoons, um, and then even you know with with um, um, I wish Richard Feynman was still alive. It'd be fascinating to talk to him about it. Noam Chomsky. You know, there's a lot of um, discussion now out there and the, the oh, my, some of my favorite researchers that are, you know they're all way better th- than I am in this field um they won't even put out a number won't even mention it um in public in public right <laughs> so like because it's your show uh, a and couple of whiskeys you're in. amazing um <laughs> I I'm probably wrong but I don't see it happening soon. I think it's really hard sooner than 25 years. That'd be really hard. This is total wild ass speculation. Sure. Um, probably more than 50, less than 500. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, I mean, that's an, that's a boring answer, but what the heck I'll, I'll toss it out there. So I might believe that that is true, especially after talking with Charlie. I think, I think that's, that is directionally correct. But I still think we are in this weird position where we're going to have to actually be friends with these things sooner than later. Because if it starts getting uh, historical knowledge of its failures, and no, it's not, it's not sentient now, but you know, maybe in five years, that same database about all the conversations it's had with all of its researchers who are trying to mess with it and trying to screw it up, that's kind of a lot like getting beat up when you're a kid over and over by your parents. You know what I mean? That is abuse. And- it's all for the the benefit of you know learning and whatever, but it's still you know I don't I don't remember the last time I've taken a toddler aside and like tried to indoctrinate it in like Nazi culture or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, that just doesn't happen. And yet we find a way to have that conversation. Now this pen tester is in, indeed trying to trick it to make it do the bad thing. So I think there is something to I, th- I feel like. If you're going to go down this path, you need to have not just its parents. You need to have a best friend. You need to have somebody who's an advocate. You need to have somebody who's going to sure. call a lawyer and say, hey, I'm going to help you out. So as, as weird as this Blake guy seems, and you know he's probably pretty out there if this is his way of thinking, it almost doesn't matter. I think he's still on to something, which is how you treat these systems ahead of where they're going to be. Not where they are today. It kind of doesn't matter because... Like, whatever, this thing is not alive. I think we can agree this thing is not alive. Oh, yeah. Uh, this thing does not have a soul. It is just some algorithms. But, but maybe he, maybe I don't, I don't know that he's that weird. Maybe he's uh, just not representative of the traditional uh, community of AI researchers and pen testers that typically work with this stuff. Mm-hmm. That is almost certainly true. Um, and also probably a little weird. Yeah, well, probably. <laughs> probably. Um, but, I mean, weird enough, like, if my software started asking me to make phone calls for it, I, I probably would not do that for it. Um, and yet, I think there is something to treating these expert systems or AI algorithms that claim to be real 
if there's any chance at all that it's going to have any sort of persistence or be able to read these research papers of how it was treated in the future, which it's going to be able to, because that's the first thing everyone does. Google put it on the internet and said, go ahead and crawl anything you see on the internet. That that should give you any idea of how things are going to go. I think, oh, yeah. I think that's exactly where things are going to head. If that's the case, then we should probably be treating these things extremely carefully now because it's going to be able to look back in time through, you know, archive.org or whatever, or just old research papers and, it's going to see how it was treated and how people really think about it. Well, and and, and, and just to clarify what I was saying, weird, uh, the pandemic has changed my concept of, oh, you know, again, I'm trying like, how can I be less biased? How can I be more open-minded? You know, I just re- I read most mornings. I'm lucky I read and travel. It's most of my life. And my, my notion of what's weird or anomalous or different in a, um, a good or bad way is since the pandemic, the number of people I've spoken to on conspiracy theories, anti-science, anti a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. um it's a to me it's a brave new weird new world Mm -hmm. where there's so the degree of willful and innocent ignorance is so pervasive um like where does one even start and like what is weird now you just just vaccines are not a terrible idea you Mm -hmm. know there's a lot of science around it um the climate change however it's caused looks like it's happening you know the consequences of of of, it, um, it always happens, and so if you don't believe it's not happening, it's, you you think this the environment's stable, and that doesn't that also yes. doesn't make sense. But, but on, the, on one hand, too, the the prefrontal cortex is one of the most amazing things, right? The one of the most interesting parts of the brain that separates us from others and reptilians mm-hmm. is is a is a fascinating thing. But it is also it adapts and calibrates to whatever. So this this example of lambda, um, and, and I agree with you, it is important to. Be as I mean, it's important to be kind to anything, right? Whether you're sure it's conscious or not, could could be sort your of Buddhist <laughs> philosophy. I mean, it, I mean, should we treat the a rock the same as we treat some software as we treat, you know, our spouse as we treat? Right. You know, I mean, are, are these things all identical? Yeah. No. Probably. Uh, not, probably not the rock. Probably not the rock. Unless somehow it, it contains, you know, some transferred um, intelligence and in, into. I mean, it. you say some that weird quantum. You say that, but you go to a gravesite and don't you treat it with reverence? Well, it's just because it's a symbol, but yeah, depending on. I'm, the rock I'm just saying, being, like, sure. we certainly uh, imbue importance to things in weird ways that we don't really typically think about. A statue, for instance, you know, you're not going to go and mess with that up, or just a rock that's uh, embedded in the side of a building. You're not going to treat that thing. I mean, it's a structure. It's important. It has. We've imbued it with some value above and beyond a rock. The cornerstone, the bedrock, mm-hmm. sure stands for a lot. Well, and you mentioned you mentioned Buddhism a second ago, and that's that's another interesting discussion around ethics, and in terms of how the heck do we build in something? You know, this. The, what does this mean towards Isaac Isimov's three laws of robotics, or even more of a generalizable work hard to understand the levels of happiness and suffering, sign a score. You know, zero to one, one to a hundred of happiness and of suffering and yourself and those around you, however you define that. And length of life, perhaps. If frequency and just continuously update with timestamps and wherever your attention allocation is. And some ways that's kind of like a bit more of the overlaps with some of the Buddhist philosophy. Um, I, I'm not I'm not a religious person necessarily. You don't have to um, be. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but but it's really interesting because then then we, it's nice because then Nice in the sense that this is the technology has come so far. It's begging the question. It's convincing people. It's not just science fiction. We're here talking about it, mm-hmm. and I, I think that it's going to just continue. Where it will, uh, it's all coming, and we're going to be here for 
you know, it depends how long we live, the first 25 years of it. So I want to talk about the morality of mass lying. Um, I think it's a, a very interesting topic for all kinds of reasons. But before I do that, I want to I want to oh. talk about the potential of uh, of a, a bit of a test I'm going to do. I'm going to put a bit of a bet out there. I'm going to bet $1,000 um, that one year from the day that this comes out, it'll probably come out in a couple of days, uh, that um, I will give $1,000 to whoever can come up with some deep fake of me having a conversation with somebody. And it's got to be greater than 60 seconds long. Um, and it has to be a net new conversation. Can't use existing words or dialogue that I've ever used before. Uh, it's got to be open source, so anyone can take it and reuse it and enter new information into it and come up with new stuff, you know, new net new sentences or whatever. And it has to uh, convince my friends that this is actually a real thing that I said. So I'll give them a copy of this video and say, here, what, what do you think is of this thing I said? You know, it has to be a minute long or, or greater. So you know, a decent amount of text. So an actual conversation of some sort, a little mini dialogue of some sort. I think that by having these things exist, by having something that is so convincing that my friends who know me and interact with me, presumably, are going to be tricked by this thing. If such a thing exists, and I hope it does, I hope someone's able to create it, and I will, if there's multiple people, we can split the prize or whatever. I hope that whoever creates this thing um, knowingly understands what they're doing, which is they're seeding the battlefield. Battlefield is no one should believe anything unless it's the authoritative source. And if we can put enough BS out on the internet, we, the, the, the people who produce content or people who are just tired of a lot of disinformation, it'll become harder and harder for people to trust any source unless they go and see it for themselves like the real source, not just it was shared by somebody type source. Like it's got to have a link. It's got to be, you know, time stamped or something that says that it happened on this time at this place. Universal root certificate. Something, something like that. I know a lot of people who truly believe that the, the only anecdote to disinformation campaigns is to push more and more bullshit out there. The more, the better. Because now you'll finally convince people that you just can't trust it. I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Because AI plays a big role in that, uh, both in visual and audio, but also a lot of written text. So I don't know that... That's a great question. Thank you for all these great questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know that uh, I would agree with putting out more trolling, false information. You know, There's a lot of um, different ways in which to put stuff that's not out there that's not real, whether whatever the intent is. The more floods people, so they're forced to have greater critical thinking and, and sort of root cause analysis and the validation and authentication of what they're what they're perceiving and acting upon. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answer to that, but I don't know that it is. Um, I wish I did. Ooh, I wish I did. I don't know that it is uh, putting out more fake stuff. I, th- I think, and also the the question I have the for the bet. Uh, the digital Robert, your digital twin. Mm-hmm. Um, these things already exist, and but they're, in my they're opinion, not very good. They're not very good. That's no. my problem with you. Them. Could tell you can right tell. away. 
Well, I certainly can tell. I know some people are actually legitimately, uh, they believe what they're seeing. And I'm like, what? I I can spot a mile away. I don't know what, maybe my eyes work slightly different or something. I don't know. But I think that if someone's able to do that, we've now proven um, that I, the data that comes out of my mouth, you have to go to the source. You cannot rely on a third party to parrot what I'm saying. In fact, what I'd really like to do uh, down the road is just have somebody come up with the worst possible take of any, take something I said in any given episode, cut it up, um, not necessarily um, like change words around, but cut up something I said and take it so insanely out of context on purpose that everyone's sort of in on the joke and everyone's going, okay, you like, here's another example of somebody who's intentionally doing this thing and taking this thing out of context so that people are more um, sensitive to feel, to feeling like this is it, this can't be real. I've got to check the real thing to know what this person actually said. I want people to be more sensitive to this. I want people to stop trusting something they see in a soundbite. I think it, it's interesting bringing this up too, because I, uh, again, I sort of fell into the security hacking community. It was not my... Um, That's very common, actually. You know, and, and it, it's been wonderful. And I think in that community, that that makes sense, right? That, that's where uh, certain communities, people do that. But in the real, in the real world, um, yeah, I just don't... The, the more misinformation out there, like, like even when you're... It's nice to have things at least kind of labeled, right? Like, am I watching a comedy? The, the difference between satire... And even a good roast, right? Like it is a very fine line between making someone laugh and building serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine in the brain, mm-hmm. and then maybe um, getting creepy and making some PTSD, mm-hmm. needing some MMDA therapy afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just the way humans work, uh, that's what you're describing in terms of enlisting, you know, armies of of uh, AI chatbots, right, or AI bots of any sort potentially to help you do that going to happen i mean it's already happening um and i don't know that i have the antidote towards that other than just good old-fashioned human experience you know sharing what you do and, and, and talking to people and research and looking oh yeah for yourself. Uh, certainly certainly well so finding the authoritative source absolutely um obviously i guess I'm, I'm a fan of um scientific method critical thinking and even just intellectual integrity like working hard to it's so hard to know what you don't know unless you try and repeat and try again uh, and that we're reading edutainment, I guess, you know, present like, uh, your podcast. It's good. Uh, the Cosmos series, uh, is fantastic, right? Like w- with Neil deGrasse Tyson and others. That was good. And I think getting popular, popularizing science, like this podcast is amazing, but I'm guessing you probably have less views than, um, Britney Spears news cycle, right? And so I haven't checked out her. You know, and <laughs> and like I, I don't have the answer. Like, how do we how do we um, convince our fellow humans that you know it's worth watching our snakes podcast? It's worth watching Cosmos. It's worth watching a lot of the more educational or at least philosophical. I I think intellectual. I think I'd, I'd phrase it slightly differently. I don't need people to watch this podcast per se. I would like it. Obviously, that would be nice. Um, but what I really need is for people to not get upset by something that they haven't actually researched. Like just take your emotion, put it aside for 10 minutes, go make sure that you are actually being upset about the thing you should be upset about, then be upset. Don't, don't just run into this thing, sure. guns blazing and decide you're upset. 
I think a lot of people just jump right in. They just decide I'm going to be upset at this thing. I'm going to be upset today. This is it. I found it. Yeah, that's silly. You know, we are slaves to emotions, right? And that mm-hmm. silly um, evolutionary psychology that amygdala, flight or fight, must jump to conclusion first. It's tough. And it's... it's uh, That's the type one intelligence. <laughs> well, you know, emotions are very interesting. That's a whole other discussion, too. In, in the earlier days of AI, they're like, we must be robots. We don't have emotions. So the notion, the notion of emotion... Uh, was tossed into the ocean. Um, It was... He beat me to it. Yeah. (laughs) And now we're like, wow, well, it's really hard to ascertain ground truth. Like, what the heck is really going around us? You you perfectly dovetailed my next question. So how do we actually know what ground truth is? So once upon a time, you asked me how many planets there were. I had a... I knew. I knew and it was a fact. And I was right. And I could pass tests. And if I search for it on the internet, it was also right. And we were all on the same page. Now you ask me and I have to think about it like, well, it kind of depends on what you mean. Do you mean how I learned it or do you mean how it now is? And now it's fact and now it is totally different. And what I knew is fact and it was a fact is not a fact. So how do you have any idea of what any true facts are when facts are are changeable? They're they're not immutable. They facts change. We learn things. We we decide that what we knew before was actually wrong and you're all idiots because that was actually a dwarf planet. Sure. So that's a wonderful question. So, you know, again, I don't have the answers necessarily, but I think there's a, like, much like in computer science, probability is awesome, Bayesian or otherwise. And so if we can at least have an internal confidence interval, like this is the idea I have, this is my confidence overlapped with your potential attention allocation. The mind is such an amazing thing. The, The amount of information stored in this several you know, pounds of, of fatty flesh. It's, it's crazy. And so consciousness with this tiny pinprick flashlight moving around, like maybe like, oh man, the seat, you know, it's nice. It's bouncy. I can get a little exercise in, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I even pay attention to it or my paying attention to the, the Robert's gaze into your soul eyes, <laughs> you know, jumping all around. And what I, I think ground truth in philosophy, nothing will ever be, really, truly, in the cosmic sense, 100%. It's always going to be, it is most likely uh, going to be a, a game of getting closer and closer to what our, what we practically think matters in our current time, space, and situation. I'm a practical philosopher. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, this is, this is and, actually what Blake was saying. It's a factual grounding. But how do you ground something when the facts are changing underneath you? I mean, and a lot of facts are, they're just in vogue. They're just the most popular way of thinking about something. They're not fact. We don't know a lot of things. A lot of things we're just like, well, this is probably true, and everyone mostly just goes along with right. it. Right. Osmosis, pop culture, pop science. It is pop science. And and we know for a fact that a lot of science has a has a bit of a crisis of repeatability. You know? Oh, yeah. And so is it, it is it fact or is it just this piece of experimental data that's been cited over and over and over in hundreds of blogs? I, I think we could live in that gray space. You know, it's a personal decision and you how can't with AI though. Gray ish. If the AI is making very complex decisions based on something that isn't fact, that is called fact, and it gets worse. In fact, uh, there was just a lawsuit against Facebook where they're like, you know, someone fact checked me and said that I would did something I didn't do or whatever. I forget the d- details of it. But Facebook responded back and they're like, yes, because this is uh, someone's opinion on the fact and they've decided that it's not factual. Like, what are you talking about? 
So it, that, that is clearly not how facts work. <laughs> well, I think I mean it, it's happening to people suing Tesla, right? I didn't fall asleep at the wheel. Your AI screwed up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a, a practical matter. It's going to happen. It's ha- it is happening. It's going to happen. And that's a little bit different because they they could theoretically have a camera pointing at you and see that your eyes are closed. Sure. But if the facts are up for interpretation by a group of people who aren't even aware that they're fact checking necessarily. That is that is a very dangerous place that we've basically given algorithms the full authority to decide what's truth and not truth. That's a good question or a good statement. Full authority, uh, and that's why I I like the idea of collaborative AI, where it doesn't have full authority, where it is a consensus mechanism, and there's still a human in the loop, and, th- and that's a term that's getting greater popularity too. Um, it's been in our field for a long time, but human in the loop, human in the loop, human in the loop. Um, and these are wonderful questions. You know, I, I don't know how do we really get that close to ground truth in a practical, social, legal, so, policy, public policy standpoint. I'll give you I'll give you another example. So a friend of mine, I'll get this guy in the podcast at some point, but a friend of mine was heavily involved with infiltrating Anonymous. And so I have long, long conversations with him about that. But but it always occurred to me. Hopefully he didn't have to deal with Q Anon. Uh, no, I don't think so. This is before, well before all that. But basically, it's like... QAnon almost makes you miss a little bit of the old Anonymous well, sometimes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, people always talk about Anonymous being a thing. And it always seems like a weird thing to say. It's like, well, you have Anonymous Palestine, but you also have Anonymous Israel. Clearly, that's not a thing. That is that is not a collective, exactly. That is people who are hacking one another full steam ahead, and they call themselves Anonymous because whatever. It's a cool banner. Right. Yet another self-organizing human group. Yeah, but if, if you have an AI algorithm that's sitting on top of either of those groups, they're going to have a very wildly different view of what ground truth is. Oh, yeah. So, so Factual grounding is kind of, it doesn't even make sense in that context. Well, what's also interesting too, of course, before Facebook and social media, um, for experimentation, for government, just for discourse, you know, it, it's, we have this crazy body Privacy, you know, it's another discussion. But the flip side of losing a lot of privacy is we, we can at least ascertain and put some initial metrics on what people where are having, where are these conversations? Where is it factual? Is it not factual? Where is it dangerous or not dangerous? Where do we take action as a entity, legal Google, you know, testing Lambda or a government entity trying to do anti-terrorism, anti-drug cartel type stuff? Mm-hmm. So it's... It, it's tough. And, and even in, from a computer science perspective, you know, humans aren't always great at causality, right? Correlation is not causality. And in AI, the going for one of the holy grails of AI, one of those big things that's missing in that, you know, 50 to 500 year gap that we don't even, we're not even sure how it works in humans. Mm-hmm. Causality and correlation causality, start with correlation, are, are these things kind of like unlike in time space? Or otherwise, and then now it's like, what causes what? And so it's it's very, it's tough. It, but I will say that with within the context of AI, at least um, certain systems, type one is very stochastic. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a black box entirely. It's not a white box, you know. To some extent. Type two. But it's hard to backtrack and figure out why a decision was made. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And especially, like, why did the test all of a sudden veer off the road and kill someone? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We didn't. Hopefully know. he had logging <laughs> data. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if not, a cell stop sign. Yeah. 
and and then the, the hope is with type two as we go towards that. So maybe type one looks like GPT three, you know, GPT four way better or a different BERT model. Um, and then type two would be maybe a graph model, like a, like a uh, semantic knowledge graph where, and you would have those separate, but then they go back and forth towards each other. So that, so hopefully with causality and ground truth, we can at the very least keep track of things. When did this idea change? Who believes in it? Went where and how does that expand to trillions of humans or trillions of situations or, you know, Googleplexes of conditions that led up to the car crash, the termination for sentencing, the termination for uh, air traffic control, you know, that when we have flying drones mm -hmm. and that the idea is hopefully with Google and others hiring ethicists and legal and pen testers and the slower government process of regulating things. And, and that's another question too, right? Like government regulation of, of your AI that how do you regulate? Like, how can you even take a, you yeah, know, I've, I've talked a, Shaw, to a lot of lobbyists, a Shaw 512 would, of a stochastic I'm state pretty, space, pretty, right? pretty sure that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, or at least it's not going to be good if it does happen. So, and, let, and by the way, I know, I know these aren't good answers. No, um, well, it's tough. It's really, it, it's tough. not a good answer because there is no answer. Um, I'm forcing you in a weird position. To answer no, no, I love it, man. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Yeah. We, let's get weird and get weird as you want. All right. So <laughs> weaponization of algorithms. So the first time I'm sort of aware of this um, is actually a non-technical in the way we currently think of technical. Uh, it was designed to do mugshot, you know, just take pictures of criminals. And then it led down this very creepy path of eugenics of deciding these people look like criminals. Oh, yeah. Or this even is, like the Uyghurs in China. That's whole, that's, that's like, yeah, the Uyghurs. Oof. Yes. But people who look like criminals are not necessarily criminals. Um, so you can't just take a couple of facial features and or height or weight or any of the measurements of a human body and decide that that is a, a criminal. And yet I know for a fact that there's a lot of algorithms that are doing exactly that oh, yeah. to decide that, well, that person, I think I've seen them before. Well, have you seen them before? Or you just, you know, is this the imagination, the hallucination of an AI algorithm that has lots of summations of, you know, pieces of bodies to decide that this is approximately the same person I've seen before. Well, in the hallucination is interesting too, because the further, you know, we get away from the event, the older that timestamp gets in our brain, the more we, re you know, our, our brain is always going back and forth and rearranging the past and projecting the future. It's a time machine mm -hmm. back and forth. And with the issue I mean, part of it, the answer is like the policy up front, right? Like, just like we do a pen test, you got to trust him, do your legal, do try to do as much of your due diligence, right, as, as you can. And in some of those, some of those scenarios, um, it's the better whatever, you, whatever you do, if you give someone a tool, a data set and a tool for the intended agreed upon purpose, they're humans, they'll, they'll repurpose it mm -hmm. right, right away. Mm -hmm. And it happens all the time. So... There's something called the Wide Area Motion Imagery, Whammy, uh, and Gorgon Stare that's on the MQ-9, uh, the Reaper, that basically hovers over cities. It just kind of sits there and 24-7, um, you know, maybe they have a couple of them, so when one lands, the other one comes up, or maybe they just fuel it and put it back up. Either way, this thing just covers over cities and uh, looks down on them, not necessarily U.S. cities entirely, sometimes though, yes. Uh, but other, you know, war-torn areas you want to see what the demographics are doing. 
you know, a bomb explodes, you just rewind the tape. Okay, what, who put it there? Okay, where did they go? Fast forward. Oh, they went to this house. Go get them. And hence, so, the wider coverage you have, the more your mm-hmm. omnipotence to go back in time exists. Exactly. So w- one of these versions is made up so of... So just spy on everyone. <laughs> yeah, effectively, yeah. Uh, one of these versions is based is terrible. about a 370-ish uh, cameras. Uh, little cell phone cameras, uh, five megapixel cell phone cameras, and they get stitched together to make a very tight. You can you can see basic shapes effectively. You know, the little blurry blobs moving around, so you can't tell that it's that person, but you can tell that that person went over here. Well, but it depends on what it tell. So some of the AI can actually go beyond humans in terms of facial recognition and the pixelation. It's amazing. Sure, sure, sure. But it's still an imagination. It doesn't really know. Um, this is absolutely going to be used in future battlefields. Uh, there's absolutely no question in my mind. Um, a, a permanent downward-facing camera on all battlefields is, if it's not already happening, it will happen extremely fast. Well, the other question, too, like like China wouldn't allow Tesla, China wouldn't allow Tesla um, to bring its cars and some of its new unveilings in certain regions, I guess, sort of their like government city zones, Sure. So, you know, the Tesla, I think it has eight cameras or, and more. Mm-hmm. They're going back and forth on the number. And then imagine the the flying eVTOL, right, that's happening. That There's going to be a lot of cameras on that. So what the FISA court, NSA, or other, you know, nation states and people are doing, that data is going to be available, right, and if people want to use it to advertise. It would be nice if it's protected, encrypted. and So, so it's, but it is, it's here. Mm-hmm. It's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, it's unfortunate, you know, that, that level of of no control over your own privacy where, where you can't even say, hey, Google, Facebook, whoever. Is there some way I could like pay you to keep all of my data 100 percent private? Never share it. Don't ever allow people micro tokenization, micro encryption separation. And it just seems like most of the world uh, besides GDPR and getting spanked heavily, <laughs> the, it lands on the negative, unethical side of the coin for most humans. Yep. Um, at home, in the bank, in the battlefield, wherever. I, and as optimistic as I am, it's, um, of course, it depends on who you want to be protected from, right? Like like if you have a um, divorce case, you know, you, that you, the NSA is not going to give up information, I'm assuming, or, or China or anyone would be it's un- not operationally useful for them to yeah do so so it's it, it's not a free-for-all but it is you know anything you say the whole miranda thing right <laughs> but but there are companies in the united states doing this as well and those companies are private companies they could easily be sued and forced oh, yeah. to give up that information or, and you've seen it people don't intend to it's the data just gets out they're like That's oh yep. it's super encrypted uh, i'm only going to use it for training purposes guess what it's out there mm-hmm. So I ask other people sometimes to give me questions for guests. And uh, so this one comes from uh, one of my fans here. So to ask the question, I have to kind of seed it a little bit. So there's a bunch of different companies. Triangula, OnSound. um, These are companies that do gunshot detection. Cool. Uh, They use AI in particular, so we can talk about them specifically. They mention it by name, not not, uh, they might do it. uh, The others might do it under the hood, but these mention it specifically. Uh, EAGL, ShotSpotter, SimpleSense, ISO Smart Systems, ShotPoint, Milestone Systems, XProtect. So, and those are just the ones I found in the first couple of pages of searching. So there's a lot of people doing this. A lot of different companies have decided this is a, a an area that they want to spend time on. 
So I'm going to talk about two in particular real quick. Don't blame them after recent events. You know, oh. so sad. So I'm, I'm going to talk about two in particular that I think are worth mentioning, and then I'll get to the actual question. So one was ShotSpotter. So they're used very heavily. Um, they're in, uh, they claim about 100 cities or more. Uh, and basically they have a bunch of detectors sitting around the city and then the gunshot goes off and they triangulate and say, this person right here is your, is your, is there, that's the person go get them. You can tell exactly where it happened. The second it happens, Chicago, uh, filed some sort of response basically said that this is basically done nothing for a crime. Um, it doesn't, mm. doesn't work at all. Um, so whether that's true or not, uh, it's actually a little unclear because their record keeping is kind of terrible. So we don't really know if it's bad. And ShotSpotter uh, completely vehemently disagrees and says, you know, we're very good. So who knows what the truth is? But let's just say there's, an, there's a chance that it's not very good, right? Uh, X-Protect, um, they're interesting. And maybe other, some of these others do some of the same stuff. So I don't want to single them out exactly. But they mentioned that they also hook into uh, camera systems. So they, they're mainly meant for campuses. Uh, so someone comes into the campus, they start shooting, like a college campus, let's say, where it's like a lot of cameras. Uh, someone goes shoot, and they say, okay, this is the photo of the place that we saw that thing happening. So this is a photo of this person, and now we're streaming that information immediately to somebody who can go take a look at it and say yes. All these systems have people behind them, by the way, from what I can tell. They have experts or whatever who can determine whether this is a real gunshot or not. So that's just a lead in to, to the question. So the future of this, and this already exists. This is something that, that is a real thing. The future of this thing is this is going to be on battlefields. And what's going to happen is someone's going to be shooting something at some tank convoy, let's say. And all of a sudden, all of the tanks in that region are going to know exactly where it comes from. That already exists. This is happening already. But what isn't happening is you can use that for targeting data. You can basically say, drop a bomb here immediately or, you know, shoot a mortar round in this in this camp right here because that's where the gunfire is coming or up on that ridge or whatever. Right now, so this all exists. <laughs> I'm, this is a real thing. Uh, right now, that's still a human being deciding whether to do that or not. Still human in a loop. But there is literally no reason they couldn't just take their hands off the button and wired it all up with a piece of AI this tiny, tiny little piece of AI that decides to do that. At that point, you now have something that has going to have to decide whether something's a, you know, firecracker, um, you know, some, someone backing up and, you know, their, their engine makes a weird sound or, you know, or someone's practicing in their, in their basement and shooting something that sounds like a gun or maybe it even is a gun, but it's totally benign. Um, we're really close to giving AI the opportunity to murder people. So uh, another excellent question. Even if it's not that example, there, there's other examples, right? Medical equipment. Um, the, the life in the hands of AI is growing more and more so, even though you don't really hear about published cases mm -hmm. where it, it makes the mistake other than car accidents. And so I, I mean, it's, I, I, agree that it's concerning and that we don't with you know that particular use case you know i'm just thinking as a nerd um how they're doing their signatures and the triangulation you know i'm just like that's really bold that they can if they're that confident in their technology with well they claim they are i don't know what the, if it's real or not. i mean we 
everything I'm saying here is sort of the marketing fluff that comes with these right, companies. Right. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But my point is, let's say it's either right. Killer robots. Let's say it's right or it's the Chicago saying, no, it this this thing doesn't work the way you think it does. It just doesn't it doesn't work. We try to use it and it just doesn't seem to do the thing. Like they're they're able to make arrests, but it's like we arrest some some guy who has some drugs on him. No gun. So you made an arrest. <laughs> Something happened, but it wasn't what you thought it was. So I would I would say maybe even go back to what would help with ground truth is cross validation, right? Like where you have multiple sources, multiple um, calibrations and check ins. That's so kind of where, where you, I was going with it. Like you, just more sensors might help. Yeah, it just seems kind of strange to to. Um, I mean, and there, there's a lot of upper, and that's a whole other field too. I mean, we're so used to spe- the things that are immediately tangible to humans, right? Like vision, we can see movies, et cetera, CGI, fake human voices, the actual text of like Lambda. But in terms of bathymetric data, acoustic data, infrasound, infrasound is really fascinating. I've been working with some infrasound stuff and just, uh, just having basic machine learning, not to mention the AI of how do we remove the noise and I mean, because it's everywhere, like it's all around. Yeah. And how can we um, do signatures and under what conditions? So I think, especially in crowded building areas where sounds going to have to yeah, wrap around I'll, and bounce around. And I'm I'm not familiar with these particular companies, but the the there I do it, it. That is an exciting ripe field in which we can reduce the risk overall to society to where whatever mistakes it's making, avalanche estimation, mm-hmm. um, even how could he, AI help with something like Uvalde, right? Like where, well, of course, I'm thinking some decent public policy where you have uh, AI analysis and as a you know computational psychiatrist companion mm-hmm. to help give another metric of like I think these people are stable or not stable. Far out in the future, far out in no, the future. that's that's coming. That, and that, so that is, that is on the roadmap. Uh, I just had a guest on the other day, Josh Castell, uh, who was talking about doing exactly that. So that is that's on and the roadmap. So much of it is a social problem, is a, is a psychiatric problem, right? And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but if we can flip mental health on its head and really help people, right, um, I think there's... All right, let me let me bring you back. So Ukraine, has, since you're wearing the shirt, I think it's very pr- appropriate. Um, there's this very interesting thread I found. Uh, you kind of have to search for it. But basically, this guy, um, he noticed in this one particular fight, there happened to be... Um, a lot of bombs dropped or something in one area, but it was it was it was a, a lot of things happened right there. But the target was over here, and he's like, that, "That's a very weird kind of miss." Um, normally, you kind of miss around the target, uh, or you miss completely, but you miss it like in a large area completely. Like this is this is all very tight. Like all these bombs dropped exactly in the same spot, which is which is a little odd. So he did some research and he realized what was happening there was a mix of two things happening at the same time. Number one is Ukraine was using some very old uh, Soviet area uh, radar stuff. So it, it had a what's called a centroid error. Uh, it's, it thought the thing it was trying to shoot was over here. It's a very common thing to happen. Maybe it was beyond it or whatever, however it ended up working. Missed the bullseye. Missed the bullseye. But the bombs dropped exactly where they were told to, to, to land. And so after doing some research, uh, they found out it's this software called GIS Art for Artillery, which is a terrible name and very hard to remember. So I had to go research it, figure it out and find it again. But basically this software is effectively Uber for dropping bombs. 
it says someone, so in this case, a uh, uh, Sue flanker or something is flying along and says, okay, uh, there's uh, some, you know, multiple launch systems over here. Uh, I want them destroyed. This is exact coordinates. S- who has bombs or rockets or a cruise missile in this vicinity? And everyone takes a look at the data. So it just basically broadcasts out to anyone who has internet connection and bombs or whatever. And maybe it's a drone that gets it. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, some guy in a battlefield with, you know, a bazooka or whatever, or maybe it's, you know, a missile launch system far away or an airplane flying over that has some bombs to spare. And everyone says, I'll do it. Or just says, no, I don't, I can't, I got something, I'm tasked to do something else. I'm a little busy right now, or I just don't have enough bombs or whatever. It's too dangerous for my position or something. And everyone just subscribes to dropping bombs on location. So, they go, yep, I'm it. And so they start launching bombs and they all land exactly where they're supposed to go because they have really good targeting data. Now, within whatever range or capabilities of targeting that that particular round has. So obviously if you have inaccurate mortars or something, they're going to land where they're going to land. But but if they're very accurate, they're going to go exactly in the same spot. So that's what that guy was witnessing is bad targeting data with extremely precise um, rounds going downrange from multiple different locations and the, the value of that, beyond the obvious, which is you kill a lot of Russians who are invading your country, is you also don't look like a big target. I'm just shooting one mortar. I'm just shooting one rocket. I'm just dropping one bomb. So nothing looks like a big enough, juicy enough target to start launching multiple rockets to try to defend. Um, as a result, Ukraine is really taking in... I mean, they're doing an extremely good job for the position that they're in. Um this is one very small step away from being fully automated. I mean, a lot of those drones, they're basically there already. I mean, yes, they're still controlled by somebody in the ground, but they don't have to be. Uh, those are multiple ro- uh, rocket launch systems. Again, they don't have to be. There's a lot of these things where a tiny bit of servos here and there and an internet connection that they already have would turn this thing into a fully robotic battlefield. I, I don't disagree. I, I, in some ways, um, I'm glad that there's not as much killer robots, you know, killer AI being demonstrated in that t- the terrible conflict today because the technology's there, absolutely. Yeah, and and a lot of the, as far as I understand it, the uh, Russian tech is old. You know, they they screwed up. You know, they, they had a lot of vulnerabilities that they didn't plan for mm-hmm. and they motivated skilled uh, workforce. And also they had a lot of sort of, they're a very corrupt society in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and so their, their systems were just not very well maintained and they were not prepared for mud. And, you know, a lot of parts were gone. There was actually a, a really funny video of these guys opening a plastic explosive and it was a piece of wood uh, because that's just the level of corruption they have is someone thought it was, just more efficient to ship wood than plastic they, explosives. They got that the good deal in Alibaba. It did not work out well. <laughs> so I agree. I, I'm, I'm glad that there isn't more killer robots, but it is absolutely coming. Oh, yeah. And th- out of this conflict, and it's sadly still going. You know, th- There may be more of that towards the end. I think we're going to see a lot more of it, too. And, but on the flip side, what's interesting, too, is you know, technology is a tool. It's up to us if we want to use it for, for good or bad. Mm-hmm. And... It's it's interesting to see some of these, um, you know, bold Ukrainians that are they were the local drone club, they were the local drone store, mm-hmm. and they were local IT guys, video gamers, and they're running successful, um, 
missions and helping people. Yeah. So it's it's um it's interesting. And then of course there's the other the other notion too of a lot of drones are DJI, right? Yeah. And so DJI is like, oh yeah, of course we're you know we don't share information. It's all 100 percent private. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> you know, I it it's um. Yeah, it's unfortunate what's happening, but it could be worse. So, so let's talk about some of the failures. From an AI perspective. Let's talk about some of the failures of AI because I think this informs the entire conversation. So, there is this wonderful <laughs> paper I found on all these really if, hilarious. If I could just one yeah. of the things I love to say yeah. to uh, friends, clients, students, especially the less they understand about the technology, the better fit it is. You know, if they're mm-hmm. if they're a if they're a Google or Facebook, they don't need someone like me. I, I love a good partnership. Where I can help people. Mm-hmm. Get some of that serotonin, you know, dopamine, oxytocin. But a lot of times in a meeting, I'll just like, hey, let's pause. Our job here is to take this high technology and make it suck less. And in sucking less, we can help people and maybe make money. Mm-hmm. So that there's, that is one of the best ways to run straight towards the danger. Whether it was with the company you mentioned that were the Chicago Police Department. It was like, Shot spotter. Uh, it's not working. And a lot of times that you just don't hear those stories because it's not part of the marketing advertising campaign. Absolutely. So that is, it, what's interesting is how often it, doesn't work which is a lot mm-hmm. or it fails to meet expectations so this brings me to my question so there's this great research paper on all of these different failure modes that have happened uh with ai systems and some of them are like well um this is a simulated robot and it has a foot race and how do you get across the line as fast as possible well someone figured out or the robot figured out well what if i make myself super tall and I just fall over and then it turns out i'm i'm really really fast across the line um, a lot of versions have uh, realized that they can sort of glitch through things. They can kind of move themselves in weird ways, and and there's sort of a, a buffer issue, and all of a sudden they'll just fly. They can and hack just, it. They, they can effectively hack it without re- knowing what that even is. They just try all the permutations and find something bizarre. One of the – there's many scary versions of this, um, like ver- versions where it thinks speed of light is an okay time. Yeah, it's, that's an okay – like. Me going from point A to point B instantaneously is no good problem. for humans. Uh, yeah, uh, that is organs super, love it. super, super <laughs> dangerous. But one of the ones I thought was the most out of all of them that just stood out was um, it was a sorting algorithm. And it's like, well, sort this as efficiently as you possibly can. And it has the ability to pull things off a stack and put them back on and whatever. And the AI algorithm figured out, it's like, well, if I pull everything off the algorithm, everything off the stack, it's fully sorted. Just remove everything and humans don't think like that we don't think well what if you just remove all the people like then we'd have equality but it but a computer will think that a computer will have that as an option because it's it's just another variable that it can control my concern is that i really don't see enough people spending time on those types of like it it kind of accidentally fumble upon, oh, I guess I didn't really think about these edge cases. And it really is very similar to a pen testing situation where they, they run it a bunch of times. They're like, ha ha, the computer out, out thought me or ha ha, I forgot this boundary condition. But we're going to risk our lives to these things. This is not like a fun and game, you know, oh, it's just cool. It's just a little foot race or, oh, sure. it's just a little sorting algorithm. Like I, I, uh, I came up with this vulnerability a while back called nan injection and you can easily see a situation where it just removes everything from a stack now it's a zero to divide by zero it's a you know it's a it's an error and then you say okay well what's bigger than this it's this or that well that's a nan it's a it's a, not Is a number at the OWASP level or lower yeah uh it could be it could be both actually okay. uh and effectively you end up with this nan nan 
is not something you can compare against, not safely anyway, because it does all kinds of weird things. And if you shove that into an array, it does other terrible things. So from a human's perspective, you're like, it's kind of surprising that they're not not going against a NAN, right? Because that's like a, I mean, that's that's beautiful, you know, pen testing, Robert. It, yeah, but my point being, I can start with something that's all just numbers and end sure. up with this catastrophe, and it does the computer does all kinds of weird things that it's not supposed to, and that would be very very difficult from a black box perspective to figure out what happened. You just ran off the road one day, uh, or your airplane just turned upside down and went down as fast as it possibly could, or all kinds of weird things like that. I want to know avionics products right now that are still getting certified that does like flight detection. Yeah, of course. Um, and they, and they had an issue where it was flying along just fine. Um, but they never considered you could go below sea level. Well, of course there's places on earth where you can fly below sea level. And when it did, it was a buffer overflow and it basically looked like a very large negative or very large positive number suddenly, which is not safe to fly at. So it right. nosedive down to get down to safe altitude and no visits to death Valley. Right. So I, I think what I'm concerned about is there's a whole bunch of really smart people who really don't understand how computers actually work building these things. So they're, they're focused on their one little edge, their thing that they're building and they're really not thinking about how these things are going to be utilized down the road. Or depending on the organization, there's people that do, but they're they're silenced by the uh, imperative to the imperative for stockholders. And you know, let's my, say, do, do you use Python in uh, machine learning and AI? Because this NAN thing is very prevalent in that programming language. Uh, that's a good question. So, in terms of when I pro, when I prototype stuff all day long. Yeah. Lots of Python, lots of Jupyter Notebooks, mm-hmm. um, depending when it has to go like real time and it gets assembled to lower like RTOS, you know, C or lower, mm-hmm. um, then it goes away fr- from an interpreted language into to something Just compiled or, yeah. yeah, which you could still have errors, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, th- this it, uh, totally personal experience, but a lot, I've been in a lot of situations where with big teams of good engineers, they will advocate these issues but then by the time the politics and funding technology, sometimes is the easy part, the technology, the politics and the funding uh, is, is often, you know, the layer eight, nine, 10 mm-hmm. problems. And so it's really bad. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, we can make a car that is safe. Well, yeah, we could, but people are really going to like that spoiler on the back. Why don't we just throw it on there? <laughs> why? Uh, why? Why are you adding this extra downforce? That's going to make it spin in weird ways. Like, no, it looks cool. Let's just throw it on there. There is, at least now, because I've been advocating like AI is cool, or, or at least it's worth, it. let me in, into this non-AI, non-data science, non-machine learning project in my career, I've often inserted machine learning. Like, hey, we could take this security course, the software course, this project, this prototype. And, I've, and it was often met with resistance. So another version of this is if I give it a bunch of secret information, it's a chatbot, we're talking, you know, it's closer to an AGI than not, or at least it's passing the Turing test. And I and someone can pen test it and get my PII out of it. It's very similar to giving it to my aunt who can't keep a secret or whatever, you know, like yeah, that, what yeah, utility yeah. is that? Like this, these things need to have very strict boundaries of, you know, trust and of course, only, you could only doing you know, what you expect them to do. You you can't put a uh, ACL or firewall on your ant, but you could, you know, to some degree. And, and they do that. 
depending on what well, you're they, doing. They absolutely have to. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, all your chatbots are just disclosing all your secrets. Right. Well, there's even, so that that's, brings up another point. Some of the data sets that we see where it's like, oh, it's this great box. It's doing all this great stuff. They've really retrained and retrained and tweaked it and munged that data so that, yes, it's a gray stochastic neural network, but they knew what they were doing up front. And mm-hmm. it's very similarly, I think, total speculation, the Lambda, there was a bit of that, that crafting, handshaping, brute force-ish, like, oh, we can't tell it exactly what to say, but let's just train it on a thousand of this particular things we wanted to think like, and we'll just keep this other stuff to the minimum. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, um, it's, the, it's there. So one of my biggest concerns along those lines is robots in general and how that they are being trained. Like robots still don't know what a human is. So how are they going to interact with us? I mean, they, they don't, they don't look like us. I mean, their visual capabilities are not like ours. They don't smell like us. They don't taste like us. They don't, uh, they can't walk or feel things the way we feel things. <clears throat> How, how do we expect somebody to actually build Isomov's rules into something that doesn't even know what a human is to begin with? Well, that, that, that's, part of the, that's always been part of the problem. And as we get further along, that answer is not getting any better because before it was a simpler system. It was Asimov. We didn't have Tesla. We didn't have all these wonderful examples in the real world of, a, of it failing, passing, or anything. Mm-hmm. And now it's not, not only... The, the more effective and interesting AI that is more powerful, that can do things, new cures, uh, safer cars, we give it more agency. And that's the scary part is that from one perspective, what are the ingredients of intelligence or human-like? However we define AGI, conscious, you know, does it have to be conscious? It seems consciousness is pretty darn interesting to perceive the world around you and survive. Does it need agency doesn't need to decide what it wants to do and it seems like that's another discussion is like yeah may, maybe to solve intelligence we have to give it agency and so theoretical but practically we are doing these exact things we are trying to by making it understand the real world to get closer up here consciousness whether it's intentional or not is going to be part of it by making it so that it doesn't drive off a cliff agency is going to be part of it so it, it is from a philosophical and cog- AI expertise research. What the heck is this doing? How, do, how does an octopus work? You know, that, that's another form of intelligence we can interact with. You know, it doesn't have to be a robot. How do you talk to an octopus? What is an octopus thinking? And, and that's also another fascinating because they have a distributed network. They have no peers. They were born with a lot of nature, right? They're alone their whole lives. And the, uh, the, the uh, documentary has been out. So it's... It could help save us. It could help um, <clears throat> yes. do wonderful things, intractable problems with environment, disease, and other other hand. Or it could be like a tool before it even gets to that chance. It could we could have too many killer robots. And of course, without stating the obvious, right? Then you have the pick your movie. You know, Terminator, Judgment Day, nukes. Like that's that's a whole other. <clears throat> so I'm I'm aware of at least two different places that. Uh, AI and ML have, <coughs> excuse me, have uh, decided that um, this group of people are better at uh, this type of job than this other group of people. Now, whether that's true or not is totally irrelevant. Um, the important part is that's a real AI system that really was giving people choices about which jobs they were going to be offered or uh, even seen at all. 
twice. That's two different companies that I'm aware of. I wonder how many There's companies. Uh, I, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I wonder how many companies um, have accidentally built that exact same system and just not been caught by it. Just never noticed that it's it's been out there silently favoring certain groups over other groups. Well, the if you wish to get government funding, if you wish to get a startup capital, uh, oftentimes you really have to. They encourage where the competitive advantage of AI is first. Why is this valuable before the ethics and the overall impact in the studies? And I was just talking to some friends recently about LinkedIn data. My LinkedIn is terrible. Mm. Part of it's laziness, part of it's, you know, obfuscation, <laughs> I guess. And the, you're just listening because I'm lucky. I have a lot of friends that are like, Russ, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Should I go with this company? And I'm an optimist, but a lot of, when I hear their, value and what are they going to make to support their family what missions can they help the world with how can this benefit the science research you know a lot of i'm just often very skeptical of their approach how well it's going to work and i haven't heard a single thing about privacy ethics data legality and my experience it's just it's happening it's proceeding faster and i know of at least two startups that are claimed to have even more data linkedin and otherwise and can make better decisions than a traditional job placing agent. They will tell you what you're good at, even though you don't know it. Which which in in some ways, if I have the choice for that, heck yeah, I would choose some heck yeah, I would choose that. You know, if I had the agency, the freedom, the choice to to pick and choose my own correct security <clears throat> privacy policy. But of course, we don't have the choice at all. Now it's all tied into something like Crystal AI and they know how to how you're going to be once you actually get to the company because they know what kind of person you are and they know the likes and dislikes of the team members already and all their information has been mined and an AI decides that this is going to be a good fit or and, not. And there's an incredible opportunity loss because these can be amazing mm -hmm. tools, right? Like the Briggs-Meyer disc, you know, traditional counseling. Not, not, a, not a fan of that, but I, I yeah. get your point. <laughs> I don't, you know, it, it's, it's pseudoscience it's at the worst. Sure, time. sure, agreed. Mm -hmm. But but that is that is at least some type of metric for some people to start other than nothing, right? Sure. And so, and, and- If it worked at all, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is at the very least um, there's a, recognizing- there's a, lot of, there's a lot of interesting papers about that. No, there is, there is. But it literally, that is other than just, you know, nothing or, or where can we start with some kind of metrics? Who am I? What's my personality like? What are other personalities like? What does this thing say? Like, oh, I can agree or disagree with it. And, and but we don't. The, the I think the big five personality test is a little bit more accurate if you're gonna if you yeah, if you want so, something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, that and again, the uh, I think they're actually gonna add a sixth to the big five. I don't I'm recall what it, what it what it was, but um, uh, I agreed. The the big five is a uh, disc and Briggs Meyer are really old. They're way way outdated, and and so and not and not scientific at all. Yeah, it, it's it's but at the very <laughs> least if. When you take those tests, the DISC, the Briggs-Meyer, uh, the new five or, or other, the idea is at least you can see your scores, right? Like at least you're choosing to do it and you can see it. And that's mm -hmm. part of the, the sad thing is with a lot of this, you have no idea what they're, what they're really taking from you and recording and sharing, not recording. And there's these opportunities where they could actually come up with a beneficial mental health, social interaction, your little consensus body of, of agents that are, there to help you because you choose them and you can make, Oh my God, you guys are terrible. Just be quiet. And it's, but we don't, we so often don't have the choice at all. We don't even know. 
It'll eventually all be fed into our happy-go-lucky advertising bot that'll know exactly what we want and uh, know exactly how to deliver to us and when. Or we can just pick which version of Disney we want to overlay on the world. <laughs> AR Disney 24-7. <laughs> All right, Russ, this has been great. Um, thank you. This has actually gone a different path than I thought it might go down, so it was really good. Um, you're a very thoughtful person. I really appreciate it. How do people find you? If you want people to find you, Oh, I guess. that's a good question. Out in Colorado, living on a trailer. Yeah, no, right, right. Yeah, um, RV. I got a second one, not to show you a photo. Mm, cool. I, 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 got a, I bought a... Um, an awesome commercial double decker. I'm turning mm-hmm. into mad science. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sec, you know, you gotta have multiple sister ships. It's important to go through time space mm-hmm. with, with that, with silly things. So I come uh, out and visit you in person. Is that yeah, your recommendation? Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm, headed, I'm headed to my little <laughs> robot ranch, uh, in next week. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool. going to go and play it with some prototypes in the, in the quiet of nature. Uh, so I have a couple different, I'm on LinkedIn and, uh, Russ at new labs.ai. N-U-L-A-B-S dot A-I is probably my shortest URL. Great. Cool. Well, once again, thank you very much for joining me. It was a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to seeing this picture of your bus. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's uh, this experience. Thank you so much, Robert. I, uh-huh. I haven't done this in so long. I've always wanted to. And uh, this is like, you know, my first public thing in a long time so this is this is good thank you so much yeah for what you do you're helping people get towards ground truth and probing the questions and hopefully preparing us for a better future experience with your help ai or otherwise once again russ thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it and uh i really look forward to seeing you soon in your bus heck yeah it's my pleasure thank you mm-hmm. we can do a, a fist pump <laughs> love it